Then, hello, willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, mod hobba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 293 on Sunday, the 20th of August, 2022. I'm Phil. I'm Matt. And uh, tonight we're very happy to be joined by artist and author Bob Osborne. How are you doing, Bob? Are you reading this? I feel I'm, I'm very well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to uh, talk to you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. I should say right at the top before I forget, thanks to to Mark Mark Anthony Wyatt from the Cuckoo Town podcast for um, making this connection and helping this happen. So thanks, Mark. Yeah, and, I've done a couple of um, chats with Mark, and because uh, he's um, he's very interested in the subject, because he of course is uh, also done quite a lot of research on uh, what's gone down in Zena and uh, this part of Cornwall. So yeah, thanks to him. Yeah, he's written a couple of books books on on Cornwall some of the more sort of esoteric and mystical and uh sort of paranormal aspects so you uh a good pair you, your sort of stuff ties in together I guess doesn't it they're a troublemakers <laughs> so I think he's coming over I think he's coming over in the spring because um I've got this um big gas here where you know where the commune was in the first world war uh on the farm and um I've said that he can come and stay and uh you know we can go around and uh film some local uh interview some local witches and uh, lunatics and artists and things like that. So I'm hoping he's going to come over uh, in the spring and we can combine our um, our collective talents. Yeah, and swap notes. Wonderful. Well, um, you very kindly sent me your your book, Zenor, Spirit of Place. I think I had a little blow-up here somewhere. Oh, here it is, Incoming. There's a book oh, over there. Oh, that's great. Oh, lovely. Well come, done. Come in. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm learning, Bob. I'm getting used to this Brilliant. technical stuff. Um yeah, I like the the book. It was um, my, modern history is not really my thing, and so I learned quite a lot. And I like the way um, you sort of vividly described these characters, these weirdos, and I came away feeling like I like I got to know them a little bit. These people who I'd, I'd never really done any research into. So, I mean, what was the uh, inspiration for for uh, writing the book? Well. Um... I suppose the, the most um, obvious thing is that where I live now and where I've lived for the last four years um, is the actual farm in a tiny hamlet called Tregerthen, which is just on the outskirts of an ancient village called Zena, where in 1916, D.H. Lawrence came down with his German wife, um, Frieda von Richthofen, and an assortment of um, various occultists, musicians, other writers, um, and formed a commune here. So... I've been researching Lawrence uh, for quite some time because I did a degree in literature. I'm also a poet, um, uh, you know, and an author and an artist as well. So I combine visual arts with, um, with literary literary arts. Um, but what really piqued my interest um, was that 
my three three areas of research are art and literature, specifically, you know, to do with Cornwall, because I have a long-standing relationship with St Ives, um, espionage, um, because I've got some links to, um, let's say, um, intelligence agencies, and um, the occult. Uh, so I've always been fascinated by um, occultism. You're not a spook, one one, are you? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not not one of the bad guys. Um, that is no, a, that is a heady mix of interests and um, backgrounds. Let's just say that I've I've been dodging them all my life. Um, <laughs> I could go into that if you want. Um, my childhood, um, but you know, the third reason was um, uh, you know with the occultism um, mainly it's because I'm a Roman gypsy. So I've always been interested in the paranormal and and um, and the surreal as well. So uh, added to the fact that um, I'm psychic, and um, so I've gone onto this. I've gone into this with with, with other um, various podcasts who are interested in remote viewing and, and that kind of stuff. So um, the way that I access information and the way that I make connections between um, you know the web of um the web of intrigue and, and and the kind of assortment of all these characters that are all in a weird way connected to each other is what obsessed me over this last winter and actually being here um it, it really focused my mind because as, as you know the book is called Zena spirit of place and it was this exact spirit of place that um that really got me to um have a fuller understanding of um how the landscape uh, has affected um these artists, these writers, these occultists. And, uh, you know, there's a very particular um, spirit down here, um, which, you know, can be either good or bad. So that's the reason I wrote this book. And as I was writing this book, um, I was mainly focused on um, on, on D.H. Lawrence. And, uh, you know, the, the, the commune that he had here for, for those two years, the, you know, 16 months here in this village, was absolutely um, pandemonium, the trouble they caused and everything. Um, but there was a documentary filmmaker called Diana Taylor who works in uh, New Lynn, who spent 30 years doing, working for the BBC on quite, you know, kind of official um, uh, documentaries. And she was doing a little bit of a project on Alistair Crowley. Um, so I've always been interested in Alistair Crowley as well. So when I found out about Lawrence's uh cohorts and, and, and the extended group of occultists that he was hanging out with, uh, Crowley came very much into the picture. So she said, let's make a little fa- film about the book uh, and about Zeno and about the spirit of place. So what we did, I had like six months to wrap this up. So we made a little documentary on a handheld camera um, with no budget. And that gave me the, the purpose um, and the incentive to finish the book because, you know, I've got reams and reams. I mean, I'm at my kitchen table at the moment and uh, three or four months ago, this place was, was covered with papers and uh, charts and uh, spiders' webs and things like that that I um, formed to join all these people up. So it, it really focused my mind on on getting this project finished. So the book um, and the film both came out about two months ago. And that's where we are now with um, Zeno Spirit of Place being in book form and also being in uh, the documentary, which, by the way, um, it's just gone 8 o'clock. And because I've just done two days of shooting and devices, I was asked to go to Hastings, where apparently the film had won Best Documentary in the South Coast Film Festival. Wow. So, um, I was going to be um, given an award or a trophy by the mayor, but 
you know, I'm talking to you, Phil, and, uh, from Preston, and um, you were my, always my first choice. So I've sent, um, a, a, not a body double or a clone, but I've sent somebody else I know in Hastings to go up and accept this award from the mayor. Oh, that's a um, power move, that, isn't it? That's such a power move. It's like... Uh... It's like Marlon, Marlon Brando famously did it at the Oscars, didn't he? I know. He sent I know. He sent it. Was it American Native American lady? Yeah, and they did it. She did a it, speech, didn't she? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't have an American lady. But <laughs> um, but also, I mean, this has been a crazy week, apart from talking to you, of course, which is um, one of the highlights. But we also won an award in, uh, in Berlin, at the Berlin uh, International Film Festival. And the thing I like about these um, these little film festivals, especially European ones, because they're very supportive of uh, you know documentary films that, that are shot on no budget that are kind of slightly different. And you know both the book and the film are very different. So the last week has just been pandemonium. And I came back from uh, Devices this afternoon because I've done two days of shooting with uh, Miles Johnson, an investigative journalist um, based in Devices. He runs the Basis Project, which is kind of a bit similar to Project Camelot, if you know what that is. So it's very much fresh in my mind. And, um, you know, I thought the work would all be done when I published the book. Um, I published an edition of 666 because I thought, you know, it might not capture people's imagination because it's quite, a, it, you know, it's quite a kind of a weird subject. Um, and the film is only a 60-minute film, but since then it's just gone, it's bedlam. I mean, we've had 21 showings at the Newland Film House. We were only going to have one initially because they were going to say, well, let's see how it goes. And if there's any interest, we'll show it again. So we've been at the Newland Film House for the last three months, and along with the other Hollywood films, including uh, Barbie. <laughs> uh, you know, we were talking of uh, satanic occultism. Anyway, Barbie, Oppenheim, <laughs> um, that one with bloody Harrison Ford. Um, yeah, Indiana Jones. And, yeah. And there was some other dreadful one as well. So we're in the cinema, which is actually a proper cinema, you know, with like, red velvet seats, spotlights down there. And the first time um, they said, we'll show your film. I thought, great. And um, it sold out within five minutes because when we made the film, there was no actors or anything. Everyone that, that was in the film, I my electrician played the H. Lawrence. And I said to him, I need to film you walking around. He was an extra in Poldark as well. So he said, well, who am I playing? I said, the H. Lawrence. He said, who's that? I said, don't worry, you're perfect. Um, so <laughs> a guy that I drink with in the Tinner's Arms in Zeno, which Mark uh, from Cuckoo knows very well, I wanted someone who looked like Callister Crowley. Um, so he's kind of stout. And I said, I'll buy you a couple of pints. Come up on the moors. You know, we can talk about the haunted cottage and all the stuff that went on up there. And walk around and we'll just film you. So he said, who's Alistair Crowley? And I thought, well, those are the two actors in it. The two main characters were, were Lawrence and Crowley. And, of course, these are two of the kind of real icons of 20th century counterculture, and they're just played by friends of mine. And um, we had Chris Jagger here who was staying anyway, so he was singing in the garden, so we just filmed him singing a song for the soundtrack. So it was all really ad hoc. And, um, you know, to think that it's on with all these other Hollywood films it's just amazing because um, they had posters up outside this film house. So I said, let's get a poster done. So we've got a big poster with saying Zena, the spirit of place starring D.H. Lawrence, Virginia Woolf, Alistair Crowley, you know, a few other people. And um, we were selling out 
so regularly because people were so interested in it that they actually, rather than carried on, rather than stopping us after one or two screenings, which they did to support a local film, they've carried on and their screenings now still going on. And they took off Indiana Jones and we were in the big cinema. And when Barbie was, was released, um, we we were selling out. So we still had the big cinema, which was 80 seats. Barbie started off in the small cinema. And then Oppenheim came in as well. And um, so we're still going strong. And um, to, to think that, you know, this little documentary is outselling all those um, Hollywood films, I mean, just fills me up my heart with joy. Wow. So, is there any you know, plans for? Thing. Is there any plans for a digital release? Well, to be honest, um, I'm a bit concerned about that because, um, um, well, I won't go into why, um, but I'm not going to um, have a digital release. Um, we we could have made it onto a, 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 a C, is it a CD or a DVD? It's going to some film festivals. It's going to Portobello. It's going to Pinewood. It's going to Stockholm and all these places, Paris. And it's still being shown in other venues in um, locally. But I'm a bit concerned about it going out into the mainstream for kind of legal reasons, really, in the sense that it, it was done on no budget and, and we might have done stuff that, you know, we, we won't want to be um, liable for anything. Um, but certainly the next film, um, we're going to take more care in, in terms of uh, nick- nicking stuff off various sources without permission, let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, OK, got you. Because I'm, I'm a collagist and, and I'm a pirate, and um, you know, I've also <laughs> run into a bit of trouble in the book. And there's a lot of people that want this book banned, um, which is highly ironic because, um, as you know, Lady Chatterley's lover um, was banned. And um, that wasn't written here, but it was, it was written after um, Lawrence left Cornwall. And, of course, the minute you ban something, you create an, an immediate demand. So I'm kind of half um, pleased that, that a lot of people want it banned. Um, but then again, all my previous projects have, have led to... Um, you know, a lot of controversy with what I did with with Saatchi Gallery and, um, and things like that. So, you know, at the moment it's gone really well uh, and I'm surprised by its success, um, you know, delighted by it. Um, so, yeah, that that's how I'm, I'm now sitting at this kitchen table, um, you know, with the book finished, uh, the film finished, and um, I'm hoping to wrap the whole project up in April, in, in October, not April, no, October, because I only published a limited edition of the book and I like the book selling out. So when that sold out, they would become quite rare. And I've been asked about a paperback, but I'm kind of not quite sure whether to go to paperback yet. Because um, I think one, once I've done a project, I'll have to move on to the next one. Right. Where do people get it from? Do they have to get it, get it from your website? Well, I've got, um, yes, I do have a website. And my website is my art brand. Effectively, there's several ways of getting it. You can just Google Rebel Not Taken. Now, that's my art brand, and that's also a very interesting story because that relates to when we tried to overthrow the monarchy in 1685. That's my ancestors. And we were called branded Rebel Not Taken by Judge Jeffries. So all my books I publish myself under the Rebel Not Taken label because I don't want the printers to get into trouble. Um, So I have a kind of website which is attached the only really social medium I use is Instagram. That's quite useful. And I'm Rebel Not Taken on Instagram. And there's a link on my Instagram page to, to Rebel Not Taken. That's R-E-B-E-L-N-O-T-T-A-K-E-N dot co dot UK shop. So the three books 
the, the three books that I last um, published are all on there. Um, the Zeno book is going to go out of stock probably in another three weeks. I've got some gigs to do with literary festivals and and stuff in uh, with galleries and St Ives. I had 100, uh, 666, which amused me. It didn't amuse a lot of other people. But um, we're now into like 530. So there's that's two months. So there's, there's about 100 left. And, and that's going to go soon. Hopefully, yeah. I kind of um, want to leave the book and talk about your psychic abilities because you kind of glossed over that. When um, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, that's what... that's. Ironically, it's fresh in my mind because that's what I've been talking about for the last two days. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you, Bob? (laughs) When did you um, When did you first discover that maybe you had something or a gift that other people don't? Um, I've always known it. Um, My grandmother. I've got. I've had a very weird, complicated family history. Um, My father was one of eighteen. Romney Gypsies, 17 boys, one girl. Um, my father's mother was Nellie. She was a Romney. She spoke Romany. And um, my father were English Gypsies. So going back to, to 1685, we were... My ancestor, Alexander Osborne, was um, a mercenary in the, in the Duke of Monmouth's army that was going to try and overthrow the monarchy. So all through those last six or seven generations, um, they've all been... Um, none of them could read or write. By the way, my father can't read or write. I'm the first person in my male genealogical line to be able to read or write, which is why I have a bit of an obsession about, you know, the sanctity of language and um, and the written word. And I always wanted to be a writer because my father was a rag and bone man. Um, in fact, I don't know if your viewers will probably remember Steptoe and Son, but we have stables in the road. Uh, yeah, you dirty old man. <laughs> So my granddad was kind of one of the people that that um, that Steptoe was based on. Uh, we we had um, uh, stables and then horses and carts. We were called totters, and we had a monkey called Wanker. And so they're very distinct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, you had a monkey called Wanker. Yeah, this is in this is in another. There's another book which, which where all this information is, and that's called Constructions, and that's about my ancestry and about my <laughs> early work. My one of my uncles was um, Popeye the Sailor Man. He was called, and he was he was in the navy. And of course, then in in the sixties when I grew up, grew up in that part of London, um, you could there was no restrictions. We had horses and carts. We had vans. You could bring a monkey off a ship. So we had a monkey, a little um, and we had it on our flat. And uh, it was called Wanker because all it would do was was run around the wall and, and you know perform that sexual act. So we called it Wanker. <laughs> this is a true story. We used to take it down the pub. My dad spent all his life in the pub. He was an alcoholic, and they all were. Uh, well, probably not alcoholics in those days, but that was just the best place to be. And um, we would dress it up, uh, put it a little blazer on it, and give it a bottle of Macerson and sit it in the corner and. My dad's family would be in gypsies. They were all incredible con men. So everyone would come in and say, can we buy the monkey a drink? So we'd say, well, well, he's got one at the moment, but put it behind the bar. <laughs> so it was another way of um, of getting free drink. We also had a parrot called Fuck Off. And um, so when I was a kid, when I was 11, I had these, they weren't, they were like my family, you know, um, my, like my brothers, because I used to play with a monkey. And, uh, and then the parrot, I trained it to say fuck off um and 
parrots are incredible because you, when you're teaching them language, you can see them like you can see their lips move. And so the first time it said "fuck off" to someone, you know, I have to be careful because I've got to do a bit of two acts as well because my natural language is a cross between Cockney rhyming slang and swearing. So because I grew up with, with rag and bone men and criminals, you know, none of them who could read or write had any education. Every other word was pretty much, you know, all the words that, that I now love and have used in my art and had been banned from exhibitions for using them. So I'm, I'm a little bit careful about, about this, but I realized I was psychic because um, my grandmother um, was a psychic and she, although she did all the tea leaves and all that kind of thing. And my uncles used to go, go around selling lavender and um, at Epsom Derby and stuff like that, all the usual tricks. Um, my, I know that my grandmother was an actual psychic because uh, she said to me, you're an angel, because I was blonde and all my my father and all his brothers, all my other cousins were dark and very swarthy. And although I'm swarthy, I, I had blonde hair. And um, she said, you're not like them. You're an angel. I'm going to give you the gift. And she had the gift of second sight. So but the deal was, as long as I've not never used it for bad purposes, I have the gift of um, of second sight. And how this um, helped me or, or hindered me to a certain extent was because when I when I um, went to a primary school, because I'd had a lot of past life regression, and because of I, I was always seeing ghosts and things like that, and you know, I, I then when I say second sight, I've moved around in. It, with time travel and stuff like that, and that's how I can do analeptic um, thinking and analeptic um, work as an artist and a writer. What, what's analeptic? So, what's analeptic mean, Bob? Um, it, it's a, it's a form of information gathering which, which was developed in me naturally, but also then developed with my my work and my relationship with a poet called Robert Graves, um, who some people might know about. I'll come on to that. I'll just say that, that when I when I went to a school, um, when I was seven, I could play chess. And my dad couldn't, um, no one in my family played chess. You, you know, there's no way that, that, that no one taught me. And I could go into uh, play a chess game with, with adults and beat them when I was seven or eight. And my dad used to make money out of me playing chess against people. And I can only put that down to, like, I've done past life regression and done all those things. I've dabbled with everything. And clearly in a previous life, I had um, played chess. So the school I went to, which was um, a pretty rough school in, on the White City Estate, um, they were testing me all the time um, for psychic ability, and, and it, it came to the attention of LCC Council because every year I would get a, again I would get introduced to the mayor and get given a prize, um, normally some book about how we were running, you know, running Africa, and then when I was eleven I got. Uh, the uh, complete works of Shakespeare, which subsequently I found out was a bit of a joke because Shakespeare didn't actually write any of those. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's another story. But it, it, already I knew that also that the narrative we were being told was an absolute load of old cobblers. Um, but what happened is that um, I got to the attention of that there was various projects being run after the um, after the uh, Second World War. Um, it all started with mass observation, and this is what I've been talking about for the last two days with. Uh, with Miles Johnson, um, because they interview people who are either UFO abductees or whistleblowers or uh, super soldiers, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it came to the attention that I had these gifts. And so I got offered a place in um, a kind of special school, which was a bit like a Freemasonry school, one on military lines. 
And um, when I went to this school, I, I was in a kind of traumatic um, situation because I was partly living with my mother, who was only, you know, a child when she had me, and living with my grandparents, uh, her her parents, and then also I was living with my father, who was um, part of a criminal family, and um, and and with with his father, who was um, bare knuckle boxer, so. You know, suddenly I pitched up at this um, this military school, and in order to get this scholarship, my mother wanted to get me into the scholarship, so I didn't follow the life of crime that that uh, all my other you know cousins had gone into with drugs and stuff like that. So we had to go to this interview to this board and and tell them that that my father was an antique dealer and he was away on business. So you know they, they got us into this um, school, and I got the, the award for that one poor boy from the borough always gets into um, into this school. But then I realised that. Part of the reason is that they were doing all these tests on me, and then I was put into not this say what program, but uh, I was being kind of edged towards um, um, military way of thinking um, because they would fast track people into the intelligence services and things like that. So it's a long story, but uh, you know the, the test they did on me confirmed my psychic ability, and this is something that I've used quite a lot all through my life. Um, to, to get myself into into strange situations, and I, I was tested quite a lot. And when I got expelled from that school after quite a lot of ritual abuse, um, they found out that my father was a gypsy, and that and, and that um, you know I, they said I got in under false pretenses. So when I was dabbling in about fifteen, sixteen in the early sixties, you know, with a few drugs and things like that, I went to the Isle of Wight, took LSD, became a hippie. And then I went back to school and they said, um, come back in the morning with the short back and sides or don't come back at all. So I decided to, to jump ship uh, and get out of it because we, we'd had a lot of systematic beatings and things like that. And the only saving grace was that um, most of the um, education was to do with, you know, the war, which I've been, you know, forever interested in both wars, you know, which were cult wars. Also, um, physical education. So, you know, we were forced to run around one with scrubs, which is the most desolate place on earth, probably apart from Siberia, in just um, shorts and a T-shirt and plimsolls. And um, so, you know, I'd be, like, coming second last every week because the last the boy who came last would get beaten, beaten with a cane on a bare bottom or by the hand. And the, you know, our gym teacher who was administering these beatings was subsequently nicked for being a nonce, you know, the same old story with all these schools. And... Um, so I left, um, and then I really panicked because I worked on a building site, and this was when I first realised that I had um, had these abilities because I went into a slightly traumatic state in the sense that I'd signed up for night school to do my A-levels in English literature and politics just to placate my mother's anxiety about me not getting an education. Um, so about a week before the exam, I'd realised that I had not never gone to a single class or, or, or lecture or read any of the books. So I got myself into this um, this psychic state that I was able to do, had done beforehand, where I can, I what's called, I accessed um, or remote viewed or, or channeled all the exam questions. And then I just spent a week um, working out the answers to these questions. And, um, of course, when, when the actual exam came, I, I, all the exam questions came up and I got all A grades and... Um, so I went into what's called automatic writing. And when I do some interviews or when I write books, I go what's called the analeptic method, where if you've got certain gifts, you can you can 
move forward back in time. And it's a poetic method of, of remote viewing that, that was used by someone called Robert Graves, who I subsequently went to, to work with and very influenced by, where you can access past information and bring and bring it up almost like a medium brings it up. So look, I've, I've worked with mediums and, and sciences and that kind of thing. So it's just a way of channel channeling lost information without going through the boring bit about learning it all. So when I write these books, often a lot of the information comes to me, and that's how I'm able to, to make all these leaps and um, you know work out these these networks, you know, these elaborate networks of, of um, deception and, and um, military intelligence and things like that. So that's very much that in a nutshell. Um, but um, I then went, didn't go. I was I was fast tracked to go to Oxford or Cambridge, and they said you need to go to Oxford and Cambridge because you you did all your A levels, you got all A grades, and um, there's clearly something wrong with you <laughs> or right with you. Um, but I didn't want to go back into the matrix, so I've avoided it all my life. And um, I actually ran back to my headmaster, who used to beat me, and said, "Can I see your grades?" and um, he said, why? I said, well, because I've got all A's and I don't think any of the other cretins at the school have got anything near that. And he said, oh, you'll end up like your dad in the worm of scrubs, you know, get out of my office. And that's one of the things where I'm always encountering authority that I know is that has no sovereignty or dominion over me and that is all completely flawed. And so I've always actually despised um, authority and always had a problem with, with anyone's rules so I pretty much lived my life on that basis, doing exactly what I like. Um, but then when I started doing more deeper research into DNA and things like that, I've realised, and I've gone into that a bit in, in the Zenner book about the spirit of place and the DNA that comes out of you know landscape, and Lawrence was very much interested in that, in that DNA doesn't great, degrade for 15 generations. So when I look at my ancestor from seven generations ago, Alexander Osborne, who you know, was took part in the rebellion and was escaped and hunted down by Judge Jeffries um, and then went into hiding for two years and then was pardoned. Uh, and then all through the, the, the subsequent, um, my great-grandfather, my grandfather's bare-knuckle boxer, he went to the Somme and that, he said those are the best years in his life because he was a complete psychopath. And then my father, who, who can't read or write, but, you know, it was a great con man and, and we they went through fortunes and then lost it all gambling and everything like that and plus they were running prostitutes as well and uh, there's also other link-ups with the great train robbery and um and christie was friend john red john uh, christie who was um at ten Williams in place was, was a friend of uh, my family so there was a lot of kind of weird links with people and um so you know i've never actually got involved in in criminal activity um probably the only member of my family that hasn't but i've always been aware of how the world works and i wanted to like beat the system from within so you know i've been a successful artist i've published um several books and um now i'm a documentary filmmaker <laughs> and you know one of the things about being psychic is that because i believe that i've only ever used it for, for good and i any money i make out of projects i give, give to the artists or give to other people and that my grandmother um always said to me, You'll you'll always be lucky, so don't worry. And this was kind of put into my brain as a kind of um, programming by her, you know, in a in a very good sense. And the other programming that that people have tried to put me into, like um, you know, like the Freemasons or or, or 
military intelligence has always been you're completely useless we're going to break you down you know and that's the narrative that 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 the establishment or the matrix or the deep state, whatever you want to call it, the cabal, the Illuminati, all these entities that are running uh, running this show very much so in this country as well, um, they put in the negative energy into you. So I've always held on to my my psychic gypsy energy. Gypsies all believe we're, we're God's people anyway, so, you know, most of them are, are very, um, very lucky. And um, so the mantra that I use is, is be lucky. And um, every time I sign a book, I write, write be lucky on it. You know, it's probably one of the few things I haven't got tattooed on me, actually, it's got a lot of other stuff. And it's really weird because um, even when I did the Zeno book and I went into a cult, and a lot of people were saying, don't go into a cult or witchcraft or black magic because, you know, it doesn't go down well here. It doesn't, actually. I mean, a lot of people are really pissed off that I've um, exposed what I've exposed. Uh, but even, you know, doing 666 edition, people said, that's unlucky. But I, I dance with the devil, and I, I believe I'm lucky. So when I say to people... I've got this um, little spell or little um, formula, you know, that I can write in your book if you like, and it's be lucky. And they say, well, what, what does that mean? I say, well, it just means that I'll, I, do you want me to write be lucky or do you not want me to write be lucky? And 100% they say, oh, write it. Because the thing about gypsies is there's also a psychological contract that if you don't write be lucky, they might think when something bad happens to them that you didn't go, write be lucky. So it's just little things like that, that that are kind of significant. Have you done um, any research into the, the history or the lineages of, of Romany gypsies? Because, I mean, it's not something I know much about, but we did mention it last week because we, yeah. we did a show about the tarot last week and we, we yeah. mentioned that one of the earliest sort of known usages of the tarot went back, you know, to I think it was the 15th century, something like that, with Romany gypsies. Yes, absolutely have. Yeah, um, I mean the tarot is also very really pertinent to, to to my current project because, um, yeah, I mean Roman gypsies. I mean there's a lots of um, uh, the trouble is with people who have a travelling culture uh, and all culture is that um, it's very difficult to track them down. And certainly when I was doing a lot of genealogical research, you know, you, you do come up against um, a bit of a brick wall because um even so they were still living outside society but you know there's this talk about um india um egypt um but for me it's it's far more kind of weird than that because um what i don't speak romany but what my ancestors do and um they can go anywhere in the world and they'd be gypsies and and they they can communicate with each other so clearly it's a global phenomenon that isn't now tarot um is very interesting because i've gone deeply in this book into Rosicrucianism, Knights Templars, occult secret societies. A lot of these secret societies inform what's going on now with the United Nations, with, with um, WEF, um, you know, which basically are Luciferian organisations, um, you know, following an occult uh, black magic. All the secret services employ black magic. Even the BBC employs black magic, you know, with the flicker weight on their TV and the brainwashing programmes that they put you into. So... The tarot, um, Alistair Crowley, one of the, the main the main protagonists in, in, in my research recently, in the, both in the book and the film, had his own tarot deck, um, and that was called the Toth deck. And, and Toth was um, an Egyptian deity that, that means, um, you know, truth. And uh, so there's lots of different tarot decks, um, and lots of secret societies have their own tarot decks with their own sim- uh, symbology. 
So the devil can mean something on one tarot deck uh, and can be different on another. And, of course, if it's upside down, it's a very arcane form of um, passing on um, traditional esoteric knowledge because the thing about um, gypsies, and to a certain extent, you know, a bit like um, Jews as well, you know, in the sense that they believe in having portable wealth. So if you've got gifts, um, you know, also why, they, why gypsies like having uh, gold rings and gold sovereigns and, and stuff like that, and, and of course the Jews... Um, you know, similarly, you know, uh, you pass on gifts through language and things like that. When you're you're, you're evicted from countries, um, and tarot reading became one of those things that that like my granny who who would read tea leaves and um, you know, media. I've got family members who are mediums as well, who conduct seances, and, and you can go somewhere. And, and if you've got these um, mysterious gifts, you can always kind of monetize them, you know, without sounding mercenary and uh, there's a lot of charlatans and, and of course there are some people who are genuine um but you, you know, a lot of um gypsies would would be <laughs> um let, let's say you know some of my fathers um would be using these um psychological weapons to to instill fear in people or to put curses on people and there's witches down here that you know i got asked in um you know literary festival in penzance the other day if there's still any witches in Zena. And I said, yeah, they're all my ex-girlfriends. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I, I've had wives and girlfriends who have either been in MI5, um, MI6, uh, witches. And then I realised that the crossover between occultism and witchcraft and, and espionage is just phenomenal. So in the book, I've gone into a lot why secret societies and governments and states employ employ uh, occultists, employ magicians like um, Queen Elizabeth I had uh, John Dee, uh, who's, who then employed his medium was Edward Kelly, who, you know, John Dee was supposedly using it for good, and they they had their own form of Enochian magic, which which came from the fallen angels. And uh, But unfortunately, his, his Irish, um, the guy that really had the talent was Edward Kelly, who could access um, archons, and uh, he used to dig up dead bodies. He was a necromancer, so... You know, there's always this thing between light and dark. And when you've got these gifts, you know, Kelly was using it for, he was digging up graveyards and having sex with, um, with um, you know, the, the corpses, a bit like in an early day, Jimmy Savile, really. And um, and others, you know, won't name in, uh, you know, among the royal family. Um, so I've gone off track a bit here. But, um, but yeah, the, the links between espionage and um, and magic... And also how that feeds into art and writing and poetry, you know, which I'm also a published poet, uh, has always been um, a bit of an obsession with me. So I move between these three worlds, and I like to make the links between them. So, so when I'm looking at someone like D.H. Lawrence or even Virginia Woolf, um, you know, with, with, which has a very kind of traditional literary narrative where people have written all these books about them, and uh, you know, so I'm looking at different aspects of their life, and it was looking into Lawrence's interest in the occult in sex ritual, sex magic as well, which is another thing I've researched quite a lot and in, in, engaged in. Um, and, and the fact that Lawrence was doing these rituals up on the moors here, um, in, on my farm, you know, you know, he got involved with a local farmer and that was another big scandal because, um, you know, we, we go into all kinds of areas which we'll go into. Um, but it's the links between espionage, magic in the terms of occultism and, um, and art. That, that really 
forming the basis of all my uh, all my work and research in, in whatever medium because I move around between making sculptures, um, painting. You know, I do automatic writing and poetry, and I did a, the whole Cassius King two year show at the Saatchi Gallery where I just got artists to deface banknotes. So normally the projects get me in a lot of trouble, um, but I always seem to get out of it because I've got this sense that, that I'm always lucky. So. Yeah. And I think I, you know, I think I am really. I mean, I'm here talking to you, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, going back to Lawrence um, now, this DH Lawrence, not to be confused with Lawrence of Arabia, it's a different. But they were, oh, they were content. I love Lawrence of Arabia. I know all about him as well. But yeah, but that, that's a whole different. T. Lawrence was very much part of this crowd. He was part of the crowd. Now. It's funny you should say T.E. Lawrence because that's just another bit of synchronicity. But um, but T.E. Lawrence was was a called course um, in MI in intelligence agencies. Let's put it that way. But then he also was a double agent for the Arabs. Yeah. So he got sold out by MI, um, well the equivalent then of MI five, and he actually got assassinated um, because he he joined up uh, trying to stop the, uh, the scam that the British were running on uh, on the Arabs. Um, so he he was accepted by all the um, a lot of the Arab secret societies, and the Arab secret societies were very much connected to going back to the Knights Templars because they had their own form of, of secret knowledge. Uh, and Baphomet worship is very much something that, that came back from from um, from the, the Freemasons who and the Illuminati who were dead, did do deals with each other's secret societies. And T. Lawrence was also very good friends with Robert Graves at the university in in. Uh, in the First World War, uh, and it was Robert Graves who wrote Goodbye to All That and uh, The Greek Myths, who taught me and channeled me into into doing analeptic thought, which means that you can go into a subject and then download the information like a mind file uh, and ha- have all the information. So so if I have to do a like a question and answer or someone asks me a question or I get an exam question that I haven't done any research for, if I can get into that altered state... Um, I can access all this information, then I can just write it out. And, and I've written books and poems like that where I haven't had a clue what I'm writing or where I got the information from. And this is what I talk about, the analeptic method, which is quite unusual. And, of course, it's um, you know, it's difficult to, to tell people that you're time-travelling or that you're, you're dredging up uh, information that, that is hidden from the public. And um, a lot of the artists like Lawrence and Graves, you know, they followed this process. Wow. T. So... Lawrence as well. See, T. Lawrence would, would engage. I don't want to get too graphic here, but 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 w- one of the things about a lot of these esoteric artists is that, uh, like Crowley, for example, you know, there's a thing called sex magic, which is a, I've gone done on about a lot of work on that as well. And T. Lawrence w- was, um, you know, up to practices in, in Arabia that a lot of the English aristocracy are, are very, you know, happy to inv- engage in, which I, I won't go too far down that road. Um, but there's a certain illumination or awakening to do with Kundalini and, and, and the rising serpent that, that, that high-level masons and, and high-level occultists and magicians and also people like Crowley um, can channel information through altered states. So there's, there's lots of different ways that you can channel information or do what I, the method of, of getting um, stuff that I do. One of them is by poetic, poetic intuition. Other ones are by altered states, i.e. hallucinogenic drugs. Uh, and other ones are through sexual rituals and sexual practices, you know, tantric sex and things like this. So Huxley, um, Lawrence, Crowley, a lot of people I've researched, they're, they're either moving between all these different methods of, of um, 
of creating and they've got a lot of hidden knowledge about all of this which is not necessarily always shared with um with what what they would term to be the um you know the plebs or the um or the uh, you know the sheep the cattle um the the um the epsilons that Huxley would talk about you know we're looking at look elitist mindsets that have always accessed this information and um I think when you move in that world and in and out of that world, you realise that there's a two-tier class system that's always existed, certainly in this country. You know, I mean, the class system is just like, doesn't even touch it. But um, I'm not saying that Northerners are, um, you know, uh, controlled by Southerners, but, you know, but the thing that, that um, the, the level of elitism in this country that goes back to Victorian times is just it's off the scale. Yeah, the the, the tra- traditional class system that the two Ronnies famously did a sketch on is kind of a charade, really. It's just to keep us bickering amongst ourselves. Well, you're spot on there. I mean, that's all, all agendas. Like, um, we won't go too much into modern politics and like that. But you know, all these agendas are, are constructed by the Fabians and by the uh, occultists, uh, and uh, things like you know racism, um, feminism, all the like, climate change, absolutely bollocks, all that. So you know, there's always a Hegelian dialectic which has been presented to the, to the herd that things like Trotskyism, Marxism, is it's all run by the by the Fabians. So communism is controlled by capitalism. So they they'll manufacture the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, the First World War, Second World War. Now they want to manufacture the Third World War. So they keep the masses entertained with with uh, even on a, on a mundane level, like you support Liverpool and Everton. I mean, I'm a big uh, football fan, so you know, bread and sixes. Exactly. Yeah, we you know you know what it's all about. We don't need to go go down that road. But yeah, but they're constantly putting these agendas in, in your face in order to stop the masses of the people that have been dumbed down so much they don't realise that if they could only um, get together and, and like take these people out, these few thousand or few few tens of thousands of people that are they're running these agendas, you know, the, the tribe um, would be empowered. But they, they disempower the tribe uh, by dumbing them down and um, by keeping them in a constant state of fear and. Uh, division you know so that they always set people against each other so now they've got slavs fighting slavs in what you know where and now they've, they've got africans fighting africans in um, yeah that's you know, the next theater i mean you know i mean i don't even want to want to go down that road but yeah what's going on in africa is very exciting as well because i get the feeling that you know that great country that has been um you know those great people have been literally enslaved and now waking up and, um you know the french are going to be uh well, they'll be doing their usual, usual retreat act when Wagner get hold of them, but um, but we won't go into that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I, I've I've had that impression. Well, yeah, let's probably not get into Russia. Well, because we, you see, we're fed a certain uh, narrative in this country. We think that the entire world is against that that evil bear over in in uh, in Moscow, where it's only the Anglosphere and Western Europe. Every other country in the world is either with him or neutral. But let's get off that because <laughs> yeah, I know politics is I know. a dangerous I, game. I, I could say a lot about stuff like that, but yeah. I, I tend to avoid modern politics because um, <laughs> it's a I, shit show. I, I, I've been cancelled so many times. That's where yeah. I talk about or write about the past because when you understand the past, you understand where we are now. Exactly. So, by looking at the Fabians and by looking at the likes of um, Huxley, Darwin, H.G. Wells, you know, all these people, you can understand about the New World Order because, you know, th- this has been in in, um, in preparation since Victorian times and, and way beyond that. So, 
but that's why I find it very instructive to um, to, to talk, you know, to, to write and, and, and talk about the uh, history. Um, but I think people can read between the lines as well. Just going off those figures you mentioned there, you mentioned Huxley, Darwin, you've got Darwin's Bulldog as well. Uh, what about eugenics? Where does eugenics come in in all this? Oh, God. Um, I've just spent two days going all about that. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I how, didn't know that. How long have you got? I mean, I'm sure you'll... I could keep your viewers up all night with, with this. I mean, the eugenics society, wow, that impacts on me as well because um, when I went to school, I had to take... Um, uh, maybe maybe you're too young, but, um, you know, the 11 plus yep. and the yep. IQ tests. Well, the IQ tests and the 11 plus was all... It's all run by the, the British Eugenics Society. Uh, it was all administered by LSE. LSE is a part of British Military Intelligence. That's London School and, of um, Economics, is it? Yeah, it's London School of Economics, and that's where the, the whole lots of these agendas are set up. You know, Trotskyism, Marxism, feminism, transgender movement. Um, so, the, the, the British Eugenics is a construct of various people, like you know about um, about. Darwin and T.H. Huxley, who just I think you just mentioned Huxley. Well, Huxley's grandfather was T.H. Huxley, and he was called Darwin's Bulldog. So a lot of other families, like the, the, the Darwins would only, and the Huxleys and the Wedgwoods, uh, and to a certain extent, you know, other families like Rothschilds and, and, and the, the, sax, the fake Saxe-Coburgs, who, you know, are not a royal family anyway. But they have actually, they're in breeding programs. So that when Darwin's... Um, Charles Darwin, another big con man he is. When um, his his wife died, he married his um, his mother's sister. And um, the Darwins and the Huxleys all tend to marry into marriage, so they, they'll all be cousins, and, and they have a, an elite belief that their bloodline is pure because it, they trace it back. They're obsessed with bloodlines, the, uh, the eugenics, yeah. um, you know, the elites. I mean, they're obsessed with bloodlines that go back to Nephilim and um, Tribe of Dan, and uh, a lot of them come from these families that, that, that can actually trace their bloodlines back. So when they do this research into supposed cancer cures, you know, effectively, because they interbreed so much and have so many cretins, um, the cures are just really for themselves to, to promote their longevity. So a lot of these um, people do, you know, just live a very long time. And, and of course, the Nazis had had a lot of uh, technology that cloning and um, artificial intelligence, which we're moving into. So, the Eugenic Society was born from from Victorian Fabianism and, and people like H. G. Wells. I think I think you had some interest in H. G. Wells yourself, didn't you? Because yeah, you did, George uh, George Bernard Shaw was a big player as well, wasn't he? Yeah, they all were. And the thing about them, they were all high level Freemasons. Uh, and you know, I've tracked down a lot of these. Um, the Freemasonry lodges, they were in the occult. So when they're Freemasons, they're pretty much at a certain level. They're also occultists. So, you know, H.G. Wells, his biology teacher was um, uh, was T.H. Huxley. Uh, and, of course, Aldous Huxley was a massive, uh, massively important figure in the counterculture. So when they set out all these agendas, I mean, they've always been obsessed with depopulation. And that now we're moving into a stage where the slave culture is probably becoming a bit redundant because traditionally, you know, with, with Victorian, um, you, you know, coal mines, they needed people to dig out stuff and, 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 and do menial jobs. So they would, hey, we keep, they would we keep, keep, Bob, we keep hearing the news about how many jobs are going to get replaced by AI. You know, us, well, us useless eaters are not going to be around much longer. Useless eaters is a term that, that you know, obviously, you know, um, Klaus Schwab and um, Bill Gates. You know, Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates are just the the descendants of of these um, 
this Fabian philosophies that um, was set up by by uh, the Fabians, the the Tavistock Institute, you know, and, and Huxley's. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into obvious things, but yeah, all I'm saying is that all of these people were high level Freemasons. They all indulged in nefarious sex practices. The, the links between um, kiddie fiddling and a lot of these people are kind of there and there's a massive cover-up you know the cover-up still goes on of course with um you know i've got links to Ghislaine maxwell and and um i know all about that i'm not going to go into any any of those um those areas but but the, but you know when you see these people you know they're, they're all all the parties they were having down here there was all these country houses and uh they were hobnobbing with the german G- german equivalents you know they would go over to bavaria get rent boys over there and then they'd come over here so the English aristocracy would always been pretty much webbed up with the um, Nazi ideology. And Fabianism, to a certain extent, is um, it's like a wolf's in sheep's clothing. So they're the Jesuits of, of socialism. And so they present this kind of what people think is a liberal helping people, like the whole woke agenda. You know, it's, it, it, none of this helps people. It's just driving them towards transhumanism. And uh, with, with, with Fabian, you know, I'm not going to go too much into to that, but you know about H.G. Wells and the Time Machine, and, and he wrote um, uh, the War of the Worlds. You know that was just pre-scripted programming for for the alien technology that is now being introduced. And um, you know, I'm not also going to go into into aliens, but you know, I know all about it, and I know that there are there are deals being done off planet. And um, you know, the thing I just did for two days. I mean, that that's very much part of that ufo world um where there's there's still being done mm. um just before but, you just before i forget you just mentioned about the fabian society being a wolf in wolf in sheep's clothing mm-hmm. and um i got an email today with an article and this is the famous fabian window designed by george bernard shaw and if you see yeah. the uh, shield above the earth that's been pounded with hammers <laughs> On the crest yeah. of the shield is a wolf in sheep's clothing. How poetic! Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there we are. That's that's just more synchronicity. But um, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> I mean, the other thing about the Fabians is that um, we won't go too much into the, um, the esoteric aspects of it. But a, a lot of them have belief systems that go back to um, that link to Luciferianism. Now, the United Nations is is, is based on complete Luciferian principles. So I won't go into the Lucis Trust now. If you want to do another one at some stage, I can go into that. Yes, yes, like, yes. Like, uh, Definitely. Let's do more, Bob. Um, the satanic practice. But basically, Fabianism is very much linked to, to the Luciferian and, and the whole New Age agenda um, is a fake Luciferian agenda. And, and effectively, the Fabians run counterculture, and they certainly run counterculture in this uh, in this country. I've done a lot of work on all the movements they put in and um and then of course with people like Crowley and Huxley and to a certain extent Lawrence although he was unwittingly um used uh, you know in, in these agendas they went to California and set up the counterculture there and Huxley was right. instrumental in, in in establishing the CIA and uh, the Fabians you know are a very have always been a very sinister organization so to cut to the quick uh, the, the two agendas that we are now involved in after the counterculture agenda are now the trans um, gender, which relates to Baphomet worship, which also goes back to um, to the Freemasons and the Knights Templars, and uh, and a lot of the stuff. In people really need to have a look at another look at Revelations and and uh, Genesis, um, because I'm not saying that the Bible is is true in any sense, but 
um, if, even if it's another part of prescriptive programming, we're now in end times and um, Mark of the Beast, etc., comes is pure revelations. Um, so the transgender agenda is they're now speeding it up because time is time is getting short for them because the actual agenda was 2020, uh, 2020, agenda 21. We knew what happened then, um, which we're not going to talk about. And then 2030, they, they're, they're rushing us towards the, um, the transgender. Uh, so effectively what the Fabians realised is that their belief system is not what we think it is. It's not about enhancing their lives through liberalism or through all these good causes. It, 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 it's about achieving um, oneness. So, you know, their concept of oneness is global government, who, you know, one world currency again. So we're now in the transgender stage. This is why they're pushing it so much. And um, and this was all established around at the time of the First World War. These agendas were laid out. Also, Albert Pike, people need to look at him with Freemasonry. And the next stage is, is called the transhumanism, and that's going to be fully implemented by 2050. So part of their religious belief system, again, I'm not going to go too much into the religious aspects. Um, I can at another time, is that... Um, by worshipping Lucifer, um, who was the fallen angel, um, and also the Age of Aquarius is another fake construct that was, that was partly created by Alistair Crowley, and that links to the Eon of Horus and, and like the Twin Towers. I can tell you all about the Twin Towers being a ritual, um, a cult ritual. Um, in that when we move to the transgender, they reckon that 2050 is their kind of cut off for that. Trans, Transhuman, sorry, Bob. Transhuman, yeah, transhuman. They won't. That's why they're, they're fusing the male and female. So you know they're sterile. They're emasculating uh, men. You know all the toxic masculinity agendas. That they're forcing down them on strokes, making women. Um, you know, uh, well, not even feminism, but just turning them into. Um, they're, they're trying to combine the sexes into one sex. So effectively, people won't need to reproduce naturally anymore because that's another agenda that they want to create their own universe. So the, the scientists take over from God. So Nietzsche, all those people, it's about getting rid of God, getting rid of formal religion. So they've they've made um, all these fake religions and then they've now demonised um, Christianity, Islam, etc. Because they don't want the competition when you should literally trust the science. So transhumanism, they're now rushing towards it. And of course, that's why we're now you know, implants. Uh, they've been doing cranial implants and, and putting mind files into people for at least a hundred years. And of course, the Germans developed all this technology. The Nazis developed a lot of this technology, which is why we we took over. The, the, the war never ended. The no, the, those guys ended. moved over. Operation Paperclip it just moved yeah, to, to the America yeah. to America. Operation Paperclip was was um, pretty much a an extension of the Fabian deal deals that were done um, at the end of the Second World War. And Operation Paperclip, MK Ultra, you know, um, Mengele was involved with, um, with um, well, he's kind of an early version of Fauci, really. And, of course, uh, Werner, Werner Von Braun ran NASA, was just, was just a variation of, of the Nazi rocket technology that, that they'd established because they had such superiority that um, they were doing experiments on, on, uh, on super soldiers and, you know, the... Um, uh, really, really weird stuff in, in 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 Nazi Germany to do with the cultism and things like that, and I think uh, the English were very impressed with that, and so they they absorbed them into the uh, into the West. Um, we're back to Indiana that, Jones again, aren't we? The Nazis looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, it's this like is all the, program. All it's, all, it's, put, are, it's in plain sight. Yeah, 
they have to do it in plain sight because of their Luciferian belief system is that they have to tell you what they're doing to you and they have to get your consent. Yes, revelation so you, you of the method. You have to comply. Exactly. And, and, of course, that's, you know, revelation of the method, again, it's, it's Freemasonic um, terms. So it's about jumping the abyss and things like that. So that they're really so warped um, that they almost get a psychotic pleasure as, as well about telling the victims because what they're going to do to them. So we're now in a state of, of where humanity is the victim and the state is is the psychopath, literally. Um, the transhumanism, yeah, they're going to speed up that agenda now. And um, and so um, you're going to hear a lot of stuff about um, test tube. You know, they've already, of course, done Dolly the Sheep and all that. And yeah. we, we've been making clones probably for the last hundred years. There are clones walking among us. Look at Biden. Uh, I know it's, well, well, yeah, I'm not going to go into it. Into, um, well, yeah, Biden's, Biden's not Biden. Let's put it that way. I mean, I, I've, got a, I've got a connection with, um, I've got a connection with, with the, the orange man to Donald Trump because oh. I knew his first one. And uh, I'm not going to go into, um, into the 2020 election, but uh, other than to say that it was hugely significant and that, that, that Trump has got a body double who plays golf. That's not the same Donald Trump that they've been trying to kill for um, for the last uh, four or five years, and they probably have got him somehow and cloned him and, or, or controlled him with stuff. But anyway, it's going on, and it's been going on for a long time. And all these, I noticed at the opening clips here, you got a film from the Carpenter film where the guy puts on the glasses and he sees um, he sees aliens, <laughs> and you know the trouble is. All, all the Five Eyes countries, and you know who I'm talking about there, like Australia, um, New Zealand, which are just uh, Canada, um, USA, uh, and UK. That's the that's the original empire. That, that is effectively is the new world order, and um, they're all in place now. The people they want to be in place are in place, including you know the unelected um, Rat Sunak, um, Macron. Um, Justin Castro, you know, a.k.a. <laughs> Justin Trudeau, whose father was Fidel Castro, of course, which no one knows. Um, and, of course, you know, the, the clone Biden, um, the demen- dementia patient, you know, that is mind-controlled. So there's no leadership in any of this. There's no political solution to any of this because the, your, the opposition are also equally compromised. So yeah. it's only you get rare people like Andrew Bridgman they might come out and say something, or, you know, but then you look at, at Sunak, uh, not Sunak, um, Starmer, you know, who who protected Jimmy Savile. And the alternative is even worse. So there's no left, right wing. That's another Hegelian dialectic to yeah. think that you can vote one one out and vote the other in. So, you know, I suppose there is a little bit of hope that, that if Trump, Trump comes comes back in, the, the wars will, will cease because he doesn't want to go down that path of um, total destruction, nor does Putin Z. Um, so what's happening now with, with BRICS currencies, you know, we're seeing the... the controlled demolition of the west which is another agenda because america is the is babylon in, in egyptian um uh, black magic thinking of course the, the people that make all these decisions do all these deals are still working out various agendas that go back to three thousand years who's the so, who's the whore of babylon then is that hillary hillary clinton <laughs> <laughs> well again it goes back to crowley i mean you know all, all Crowley's wives and girlfriends, he called scarlet women. And, and, and Crowley did um, what's called Babylon working. So the Babylon working, which is a sex which he did in 1943, was was then adopted by um, by Jack Parsons and Ron Hubbard. Uh, so that was 
that laid the, the path to, to Scientology and, and things like that. So, you know, effectively, Crowley's way of thinking was that now we're entering the age of Ian of Horus. And also, you know, the research I've done is pretty good evidence that um, that Barbara Bush was, was um, Alice Crowley's daughter. And it's a bit ironic that, that when, you know, the Bush family, also part of the, um, the ancient Nazi, um, not just Nazi, but, you know, um, Illuminati, Freemasonry, Cabal, that then got control of America and um, noticed when the Twin Towers went down, which was a ritual. That was a, a ritual to, to welcome in the Eon of Horus, which is the Eon of Destruction. And the Twin Towers w- w- was, a, was a ritual constructed by Crowley. Um, what is formula one plus one equals two equals ground zero. So when the Twin Towers fell, you notice that there's still clips of Bush Senior, oh no, Bush Junior in a classroom full of kids yeah. with an upside down book, you know, satanic um, symbol, reading a story about goats. Well, goat worship links back to Baphomet worship and, and Alistair Crowley was one of his names apart from the Great Beast and 666 was, was Baphomet. So unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of black magic um, going on um, at the moment, and, uh, and, and basically, we're, people are trapped in it. They don't really know. They can't read the symbols. They can't read the signs. And, and the West, um, you know, the bank crashes come in the run on the banks. That's all part of the, the, the fall of Babylon. America was was set up in 1776 by the Freemasonry. Hence, York, New York is is from the Yorkites, and um, you know, the Illuminati. Um, infiltrated the Freemasons in 1776, which was then War of Independence. So America, effectively, is a is a fake um, a- avatar for Babylon, and, and Babylon has got to fall, and Babylon is, is in the verge of falling now. So people like um, the, the people that are running the, the show, they're you know, clearly running the suicide um, controlled demolition of, of, uh, of the West. Uh, it's being, we're seeing it in plain sight. So yeah, they, they don't really care about the devastation that they're caused by opening all their borders and um, flooding it with fentanyl and stuff like that. And and of course they got no military to speak of because they've um, they've all been um, let's yeah. say uh, given the monkey um, monkey shot or, um, or or wearing wearing pink wearing rainbows. So um, <laughs> so you know it's no wonder the the Chinese and the Russians are licking their lips and thinking, yeah, come on, bring it. Um, so the only the only answer they got is nuclear, um, because they couldn't even, you know, they're Abraham. Well, I'm not going to go into that. Um, I've completely lost the plot now. No, it's all right. We we've, 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 there's anything you want to you want to kind of just we've ask. So um, I'm just going to say we've gone I, over I try an not hour. To ramble on. We've gone over an hour already. I could listen to you all night, Bob. We've gone all over the shop. But yeah, uh, I suppose to finish. Um, is there any help for us, <laughs> for us humans? Because like, you've, you've laid out a lot of the issues that, that are in front of us. I mean, what can we do as individuals, as people who, you know, don't want to see these things happen? Can we do anything? Ah, oh, God. Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know we're all laughing, but... Um... Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things you can do, but um, well, well, I massive non-compliance, but I, I actually can't see that happening in this country because, no. unfortunately, as, as much as I love English humour and I love a lot of things about this country, this is the most brainwashed earth uh, country on earth. Uh, unfortunately, the the British 
brainwashing company have, have done an excellent job and the media has done an excellent job. So you know, p- people here are just living in cloud cuckoo land. They have not got a clue what's going on. And even people with educations, you know, we've seen it over the past. They're probably the worst off if you've been formally they are educated. The worst off. They are the worst off because, um, you know, even observing, you know, like you get people in the street like workers or, or people with no education who, who won't put a mask on. And yet you get people, I mean, I'm not talking about what we're not allowed to talk about, but even just just masking people is a test of compliance. And all the other tests of compliance are things like putting smart meters in, getting them to live in 15-minute cities. This is all the agenda being rolled out in real time and it rolled out real quickly. So the fact that that people are now – I've got great faith in in the tribe – you know, you know, like as you know, I'm a, I'm a sports fan, and I'm like, I'm not even working class. I'm I'm sub working class. I'm criminal class. But I love it when people go down and um, smash down these big brother cameras, and uh, the, the the quicker that little rat puts them up, um, the quicker the white van drivers go around and um, and, and take them down, and uh, even going into supermarkets and only having cash and filling up your trolleys with with stuff, and then they, if they refuse to take cash, you know, they want they want you to put your uh, your contact list on, you just leave the trolley there. So, you know, this is all forcing the agenda back. And the more they try and roll it out, they're running out of time now. And there's a thing called Project Looking Glass. So to offer some hope, there's a CIA program which which partly, you know, the Tavistock and, and the British instigated, which is Project Looking Glass. And this is the thing they they use where that we're on several different timelines. So time is another myth. You know, the whole thing about 24 hours a day, six, you know, seven days a week, uh, 365 days, it's all black magic. So it's trapping you in a timeline. And, and the timeline we're on is one of many other timelines that um, we could also be on. So when you do the kind of work that I've done, I I, I can move between timelines. So the timeline that, that all the rats or the sheep in their pens or the, or the cattle are all in, they just can't realise that there's other timeline options. And if you think of it almost like a game of chess, so there's these guys that, are, that have got all the pieces, they've got all the army, they've got all the, um, the heart weather system in place, they've got the psychological warfare, they've got everything, they've got all the money, all, all the resources, all the, um, the bases on Mars and everything like that, and there's, there's humanity now down under the thumb. But uh, some of the people I've um, listened to or spoken to um, – come in these programs have said the other timelines are converging unless they can run this timeline soon the other timeline is going to take over because they realize they've got to speed things up because their time is running out and it's like a game of chess where i play chess uh, you know as i mentioned earlier and um it's like a game of chess where the, the better player are the way the um let's call them the white um player uh is in a winning position and knows he's going to win. And, and the, the other team, not you know, the, the team that is going to lose, get more and more desperate because they think they're going to lose. And so they start making increasingly panicked moves. And now we're in that state where the the cabal or the deep state, you know, we all know who they are. Um, they're getting increasingly panicked. So they're making quicker and quicker moves and they're trying to speed up the game. And they're trying to, the only way you can win in this position is, is to make a dramatic risk you know, a nuclear, of course, is one of those options. Um, but for, from what I can gather, and I do believe in that, that the more they speed up, the more, let's say, the awakening happens, you know, and there's a lot of talk about the Great Awakening and stuff like that, mm. as opposed to the Great Reset. But I think it 
it needs to happen. It needs to happen fast. And to a certain extent, everyone's got to fight their own battle in this. You know, we all know people who are going to perish. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the nucleus or, or there are a nucleus of people that will survive this. And oh. uh, I think that's all you've got. All I can say really is that we're all going to see um, quite a lot of, uh, let's say, um, sustainability, another word they use, it's just like a, a nice way of putting depopulation. So, you know, um, it's a question of survival now. And I've been in survival no, mode for a while now. You know, like I've got my cupboard behind me with six months full of uh, food. I've got my gun. Uh, I live in a very remote part of the world. Uh, I don't get involved with media. Um, you know, I've even done things this week. Like when I knew that I was being under psychic attack and possibly, you know, other forms of attack because of various things that are going on, I went, you know, I can, because of my background, I can access altered states and I can I can uh, affect my energies through, through different diets because I've studied nutrition quite a lot. So, like, when I've been in a good place, I might eat on a fruit diet. I've also drunk my own urine consistently. And that's, there's another whole story there. But at the moment, I've been on a carnivore diet. So three weeks ago, I realized that, that I was having to do a lot of this work. So I've just been eating um, ribeye and, and eggs and, and stuff because what they've told us about veganism, and of course, is another big contract to, to weaken the population and dumb them down. Uh, plants all out to kill you, especially the plants that they're spraying now. So yeah, last time, I, last time I checked, I only have one stomach. I'm not a ruminant. <laughs> yeah, well, I've start, I started eating ribeye, and I noticed my energy levels, because I needed to have high energy levels at the moment, and, and I had to go into what's called lion energy. I'm not saying that I like the idea of slaughtering cattle, but you know, I know that for my survival at the moment, what's going on now, I've had to go into lion energy. Um, which is quite an aggressive energy. So, you know, I'll, I'll go through this, but, you know, you have your own methods of, of, of surviving and, and adapting and learning skills that you might need to learn. And one of those skills might be just a really realizing that everything we're being told is, is just, if you start, if you believe the opposite, what we're being told by the media, you're probably on the right track because uh, it's all one big um, fake narrative uh, and keep yourself Keep your energy high, keep your sense of humor, try and eat proper food, not the rubbish they give you. And, um, you know, so, so I think on an individual level, I'm just in survival mode, you know, and, and also watching what, what unfolds. Um, if you can detach yourself from the horror of it all, is actually fascinating. So, we do live in, um, in interesting times. It's that old Chinese proverb, okay. <laughs> May you live in interesting times. Yeah, well, we certainly yeah. are. Well, Bob, this yeah. has been absolutely fascinating. I'm sure this is going to go down a treat with our listeners and viewers. And uh, like you said, I'd love to do this again sometime. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that we've really skirted over. Yeah. Um, and if you want to do more like more detail about any one of those topics, I'm happy to... Um, to do it if you just tell me what it is yeah. but we've, we've just done a, a run through the whole of the bloody century now like every philosophy <laughs> and all, everything you know so I hope people don't think it's a, it's it. a rounding load of um from a lunatic but you know i've done the research i know what i'm talking about and um you know i'm not saying i'm a prophet i'm just a naughty boy but um well it's been fascinating um stay on the line for us uh, bob while we play ourselves out mm-hmm Thank okay. you once again for joining us. The links are in the show be notes. Lucky. Yeah, yeah, be lucky. Yeah, be lucky. Be lucky. 
And uh, you lot out there in YouTube land will be back in 10, 15 minutes for part two. We're going to do some news. And I've dusted off an old jingle for tonight. Oh, it might give you a bit touch of PTSD, some flashbacks. But anyway, right. See you soon. Thanks, Bob. Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the giant fucking lenses. That was our chat with Bob Osborne, rebelnottaken.co.uk. Hmm. It's pretty, pretty, pretty intense, that wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it's like split into a million pieces, uh, trying to keep up with all the different bombs that were going off. The bo- the truth bombs. Yeah, and yeah, and he's. Uh, in his chat, man. They were cluster bombs, man. They're they, truth cluster bombs. They were, weren't all they? Leading to one another. Illegal ordinance. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was great. Oh, we're going to have to have Bob again. And, yeah, maybe just focusing on one thing. Yeah, the thing is, a lot of these things are interrelated. So it's, mm. um, you know, it's kind of natural to uh, mash things up. <laughs> <laughs> To breathe underwater. Um, no, that's not what we it's meant. It's too bad. So, what are the? Sorry about that. I feel sick. <laughs> right, links to the show notes if you want to check out Bob's research, get his mm. book, the film. If you live down in the uh, southwest. You, uh, if people are rise above, rise above a base down there in uh, Somerset, I think. Bournemouth, so, uh, isn't it? Bour- is it? Is Bournemouth in Somerset? I don't know. It's not in Texas. No, no. That's the only accent I can do. Ah, man. Never mind. Okay. With that said, let's move on. Housekeeping. Not, nope. to, not to that, though. Let's move on. Let's do some headlines. Capital letters are big news story. Headlines of the week. Woman shares picture of world's worst salad. It's a claimed London restaurant. That's a bold statement, isn't it? Well, we shall be the judge, won't we? Yeah. Uh, a mum claims she was served the world's worst salad when she visited an acclaimed Lebanese restaurant in one of London's most upmarket districts. Dawn Williams said she laughed out loud, or lolled, as we millennials say, Yeah. Uh, when a bowl consisting of raw and unchopped veg, including a whole tomato, cucumber and spring onion, was brought to her table at Al-Waha in Notting Hill. The serving featured half an iceberg lettuce... And two two ice cubes plunked on top as Dawn 45 branded it an Ikea salad. Would you like some visual aids? No. (laughs) (laughs) There's a picture she took. What the fuck? I mean... I mean, the description's accurate, isn't it? Have they got, like, the new guy doing the salads? Yeah, yeah, I've been to culinary school. Yeah, yeah, I can do a salad. She shared a picture of the bowl on social media where it soon went viral with more than 1,300 likes and shares. 13 billion? (laughs) 
likes and shares, as users described it as a deconstructed hipster salad, which I quite I quite like that term, deconstructed hipster salad, hipster salad. Uh, but the restaurant manager has claimed the vegetarian dish was just a starter or a crudite, a to quote get the palate going, and is not offered as a salad. <laughs> what are you supposed to do with the ice cubes? Mohammed and Tabli said the same plate would be provided at all top Lebanese restaurants in Mayfair and Knightsbridge, but Dawn said she means. She remains unconvinced by the response, arguing crudités are usually served chopped rather than whole and come with a dip, which was nowhere to be seen. Mm. Dawn from Liverpool said... (laughs) Dawn from Liverpool said... It was the worst salad in the world, absolutely. But it gave us ten minutes of fun as it made us laugh out loud. Lol. I can't believe the reaction online, though. It's gone global with all the shares. I went mank. Everyone just thinks it's hilarious. They can't believe a place in Notting Hill is serving that. We considered getting a doggy bag for the salad so that we could take it home and restock our fridge with the unchopped veg, but my boyfriend refused to ask for one. Without a chopping board and vegetable knife, did he just expect us to eat the tomato like an apple? Yeah. Dawn has been in Notting Hill. Oh, sorry, Dawn had been in Notting Hill on Friday, March the 23rd, to meet up with her 53-year-old lawyer boyfriend, Tim. Tim. Who works in the capital. (laughs) The (laughs) The couple had stumbled upon Al-Waha while browsing for a Middle Eastern restaurant in Notting Hill. The venue is a favourite among culture vultures and foodies. (laughs) these fucking people I know. culture vultures and foodies with a string of rave reviews from national newspapers and magazines on its website propaganda <coughs> the bowl was served alongside bread and olives as part of their quote table cover at a cost of £1.50 so very cheap <laughs> table well I don't understand what table cover is no I don't know what that means I don't go to restaurants like this restaurant no do you reckon oh. that he did a uh, double bacon cheeseburger? You would hope so. <laughs> I mean, what restaurant doesn't? Um, well, I don't know. Probably Al Waha. Sounds like it. Um, though the restaurant pointed out that many other venue- venues charge full price for the unchopped veg. Don said, I couldn't believe it. Both me and my partner started to laugh out loudly as soon as the waiter put it down. What were we supposed to do with this? We called the waiter over, but I had already taken a photo of it and shared it on Facebook by this point, as I thought it was funny. General manager and chef, Mohammed Antabli, explained that it was not a salad, but a starter. <coughs> so this person's first inclination, rather than asking where's my dip, was to take a picture and share it on Facebook. Yeah. That's the times we're living, isn't it? Taking pictures of your food, man. And that's why you get to eat shit salads then. Yeah. Um, Mohammed said, A lot of people don't understand the way our food should be eaten. This is a crudite. It is a starter. We put it at the table with olives to get your palate going. Why try this to people? 
We try this to people, but people who don't understand the nature of food always get it wrong. We always put it at every table when they order, before their food arrives. We put the crudite or crudite to get the palate going. The whole idea of the crudite is because we have a lot of different tastes and dishes. So when you are eating these, you want to clean your palate from one to the other. That makes sense, doesn't it? No, not in an accent, no. You can eat some lettuce or a slice of tomato to refresh your taste. Where are we? Lebanon. The people don't understand the specification of the type of food at all. And that's why they think it's a salad when it's not. This is the way. That Lebanon, that <laughs> famous enclave in Wales. We don't cut it up for them. They can eat a leaf of lettuce or cut the tomatoes between them or the cucumber. You don't need to cut the spring onion. You don't need to cut spring onion when you eat at home. Or radish when you eat at home. The chef explained that this is how the restaurant has been serving vegetables for the last 40 years. 40 years! It's been going This for place 40 has years. been doing salads like this 40. for 40 years. Well, that probably explains a little bit then, doesn't it? I imagine that, you know, that would be a salad in the 1980s. <coughs> Don't think. Yeah. Labour's too... Labour? Labour. <laughs> the labour of chopping a tomato. Oh. It's just... Uh, I yeah, rampant gonna, inflation. I thought you were going to make a joke about Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I can't. There's more, and I just can't. I no, can't, that's fine. I can't. Moving on. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> move on. To a recurring story. Recurring? Oh, yes. Yeah. Somerset Gimp suspect is banned from, quote, crawling, wriggling, or writhing on the ground. Before he stands trial in October. So they've found someone. <laughs> He's on trial, man. We've we've done I think we've covered this twice, this story, the Somerset Gimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was a resurgence in GIMP activity. There was wasn't last there? last year? I wanna say last year. Maybe, yeah. I'm not sure when the GIMP first surfaced. <laughs> Dunno. I wanna say twenty nineteen. Ooh. Twenty eighteen. And then the GIMP Reappeared last year. Startling, writhing. He came out of his box. Yeah, they got let out of his box, got mm. got lathered up with mm. baby oil in his suit. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's back in action. I've got a picture of the suspect. Wow, he didn't even want to cover himself up. I mean, it's like you've every excuse now to wear a muzzle, haven't you? A diaper on your face. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm owning that shit. Wow. I mean... Guilty, then. A man suspected of being the Somerset Gimp must not crawl, wriggle, or writhe on the ground ahead of his trial, a court has said. The suspect, Josh Hunt, Joshua Hunt, 32, denies two charges of intentional harassment, alarm, or distress under Section 4A of the Public Order Act. It comes as District Judge Angela Brereton sitting at Taunton Dean Magistrates Court, fixed a half-day trial for the case at Bristol Magistrates on uh, October the 27th. 
That's when he's back. The charge relates to incidents allegedly committed on May the 7th and May the 9th in the Bleeden and Cleve area of Somerset. Wagwan Farm. You're going to Somerset. Or Bournemouth. There yeah. he is. Uh, I I remember last time we covered this that there was a suggestion that the Somerset Gimp may be some kind of cryptid because, <laughs> because of this photo where he's kind of phasing in and out of our dimensional realm. I mean, he's probably on a different timeline, isn't he? He probably is, yep, on a different spatial plane. Yes. He's bridging. The seventh plane. The seventh sphere. Yeah. He's busted through the seven spheres of Solomon mm-hmm. in his Gimp suit. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, tormenting the uh, the ladies of Somerset. That's some mad bail conditions. Well, there isn't. Under the terms of the interim order, which will expire in January next year, Hunt is also banned from wearing a mask or possessing one in a public place. Ah. And wearing black all-in-one clothing at night in public. That's very specific. Yeah. Why did you just say, no gimping? No gimping around. No gimping around till your trial. Yeah. Weirdo. Hunt of Clatherham, Somerset, has been an excused attendance at the case management hearing and was represented by solicitor David Fanson. He was released on unconditional bail. Have we not just heard the conditions of the bail? No gimping, no writhing, no crawling, no all black onesies at night. Yeah. But apparently, yeah, uh, he's been released on unconditional bail until his trial. And we shall follow this case. We will, won't we? Yeah. We'll be back with that one. With great interest. Right? That's where Ben is, actually. Is that what he's doing? He's gone to cover the trial, yeah, in Bournemouth. In the style of uh, intrepid digital reporter. Yeah. And that's what he's going to fill his column with in the newsletter. His right. report from oh, well, I look forward to the that. GIMP trial. Right, I'll look forward to that. Oh, well, let's see what's coming up next. First on BBC One, Prince Andrew becomes part of Jimmy Savile's dream team. Housekeeping! This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, Please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this. The ways of doing this are legion. And my favourite, as ever, is word of mouth, spreading the word. If you're in uh, Telegram groups, Facebook groups, Discord servers, wherever you are online, you can uh, send a link to this podcast if you think the recipients of the link would find it useful. Or if you just, you know, um, in real life, gouge people's eyes out. Gouge his eyes! Ooh, a bit slow on the uptake there. Yeah. Gouge people's eyes out with um, memory sticks attached to your fingers. Are you talking about a USB drive? <laughs> yeah, it's on the same thing. A memory uh, stick. I don't know. I don't know where you're at tonight. To <laughs> um, you could sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> um, you know, that'll be coming out in about 12 days. All right, so that's what I'm doing next week. Yeah, you can write that. Got to do the um, newsletter and send that out to you know. Fenny, I've no inspiration about what's. I didn't write an article or anything last month, and I've no sort of ideas for this month. So, if you uh, have any ideas what I could write about for this month's newsletter, email at thearmistinquisition at gmail dot com or um, whatever on Instagram, Element Server, whatever. Let mm-hmm. me know. 
Yeah. It'll be taken into consideration. And you'll just do something completely different. Um, you can sub, comment, like, uh, hit the bell, smash that bell, um, leave us a review. Excuse me. Um, and sometimes we might read it out. If it's a nice comment or an interesting comment um, without too much anti-Semitism, we might even read it out on YouTube. Yep. Um, so, you know, you can do that. You can buy some merch. Yes, the Amish loot chest is open. And uh, I was going to mention to uh, Bob, because he kind of raised the subject of Depop Agenda and Carbon and all the rest. And you can grab one of these T-shirts. You are the carbon they want to reduce. There okay. it is. I mean, that is the, the more expensive version, isn't it? Oh, like... there's, there's several price points. It's because they have, like, different models base models of t-shirt that's the premium tea so it's like nearly 30 quid yeah but they have the basic tea or the basic tea yeah there's about 20 quid i think i mean you could probably use a basic tea for rags couldn't you or something um so you know De- decorating yeah decorating yeah plastering uh masturbationary purposes mm. um bacon nuts t-shirt there look at the size of that those testicles on that pig um a mug same motif uh, three Wiccan, three Wiccans, to flatten the Wicker Man. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm talking. I was re- I've started reading this book about uh, oh, what's it called? Oh, the mysteries, yeah. the mysteries of Britain, secret rites and traditions of ancient Britain by Lewis Spence from uh, first published 1928. And there is talk of people being sacrificed in giant effigies. That's where, obviously, the Wicker Man has some truth to it. Anyway, I digest. Okay. Oh, look, that's a cla- that's a snuggly hoodly um, that I wear in the wintertime in the podcast when it's freezing in here. Literally a communist. Literally a communist hoodie. Mm-hmm. And the logo. No, you know, you just your basic logo T-shirt. If you're a basic bitch, yeah. get a basic logo T-shirt. And, you know. You get something to keep, we get a cup. Exactly. Next. Uh, show artwork. Should we do show artwork? We have to join the element first, don't oh, you? Right. Yeah, you? have you to can... join the element server. That's where we all hang out and talk um, and send links for stuff. And one of the things you can do is produce show artwork, which you then put in the element server but if you're not in there you can always email it or send it on insta Insta. i mean any of the uh, any connections we will receive show artwork that's not a problem Mm -hmm. no submissions this week no no so i'm not this up based off the youtube thumbnail there's bob there lovely what's going on uh well we've got bob um i think you've used your cartoonify thing he was already partially cartooned. So you've doubly cartooned him? Ah, yes. Is that like what happened to uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Bob Hoskins? Kind of, yeah. I augmented the yeah. cartoony fan. Um, we've got the spindly finger of Cornwall Liam there and something something else there as well. And then we've got... Do you know who that is? I'm going to take a guess. He's got... A weird hat on and a triangle. Yeah. Ugh. Who's that? Is it 
him? It's, I'll give you a clue. He was sometimes known as the wickedest man in the world. I was going to say, is it Crowley? Yeah, it's Crowley. I thought it was, I thought I recognised him from one of, Bob, one of his pictures in the book just before. Yeah, that's uh, Alistair Crowley there. So, yeah, that was the show artwork. I think that's pretty um, concise and pops. I think it pops, it's slick. <laughs> and it was show up in a- Apple. Apple Podcasts this well, week. I do now, really. Yes, I've uh, I figured out what the bug was and rectified it. Ooh. So there you go. Um, these are all ways um, of becoming a producer, dropping your eavesdropping ways and helping produce this content, particularly for part two. But guest suggestions. We got one today, didn't we, in the Element server from Nick. I've not looked into it yet. But um, we only have so many pairs of eyes and ears to look out for potential guests to come on this mm. podcast. So if you hear of someone, mm. maybe you hear someone on another show, we don't tend to ask or um, approach guests who do lots and lots of podcasts. We like to... Circle the rim. Yeah, the outer rim. The outer rim of the galaxy. Yeah, and then do the Kessel Run to, the, to a Bob Osborne. Yeah, you know, I've only heard him on Cuckoo Town before now, right? So, um, yeah, if you hear of anyone, let us know. Give us a guest suggestion on the Element server or through email at thearmistinquisition at gmail dot com. Yes. Um, so there's news articles, audio links, uh, timestamps. If they're long, um, you can always request a birthday shout out um, or a focus chi request. Is your chi depleted, Phil? No, my cheese um, ready to pop. I'm overflowing. But if your cheese depleted, you know, or if you've got something good coming up, or you feel like you could do with a cheese top up, just ask for one. Yeah, it's, this is a unique service that we offer. Mm-hmm. We will focus our cheese in your direction for your given aim, be that a job interview, uh, a presentation, you're feeling down in the dumps, um, all that sort of thing. We will, we will help you. And it's pretty effective. It's been, uh, it's safe and effective. I would say it is definitely safe. And effective. <laughs> it's the most safe and effective chi <laughs> that I've known. Yeah. Right. Well, with that said, I think uh, what's the best way to become a the producer? Dwarf, the cripple. <laughs> what's the best way to come produce a map? Um, through dwarves, cripples, in. No, I giant fucking lenses. My my paper was in the way, and as I brushed my paper away, I hit I mean, giant fucking lenses. I hit a pad. Apologies for that. I think the best way is to toss us a coin. Toss a coin to your We rely. We rely on your donations. You got to do it for the lads. Oh my god, his wife is ours. Who's got the biggest cock? Oh, so going Persia. Lads, lads, for the lads, lads. Only you fuckers out there can save Plotland. Save Plotland. Keep the shit show going by uh, going to our website or hitting the PayPal button and giving us a a donation. Maybe a single donation or a recurring sustaining donation that goes out every month. Mm. And uh, we really appreciate that. With no adverts, no sponsorship, we're not trying to sell you anything. Um, There's no paywalls. Get the first, you know... Yeah, what do they call it? Patreon exclusive. This is a Patreon exclusive episode. It's not for everyone. It's just for you who throw your Patrons. silver through your silver. Not that shit going on. No. Uh, so that's what we're. That's why we're reliant on you to uh, dip in your hand, in your pocket, 
and uh, tossing us a coin every now and again. It really helps. Um, so, with that being said, I think it's time to big up the man Dems, the producers for this week. It's time to big up the man Dems, yo. I was going to say... Uh... Oh. oh. Right, producers for episode 293. Who have we got? We've got Mark Anthony Wyatt from the Cuckoo Town podcast. We've got Alaya, Helen, Joe... Chris from Sheep Farm, sheepfarm.co.uk, Lee from the Big Conspire podcast, and Nelly the Cat. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. Literally. The best mate. Oh, Willie G. Dun, dun, dun. The currents, the grape, the dogs of thugonomics, the homophobe, the wind, the giant fucking lenses, the chest feeding, communist, the base sigma chat, the corn pop chunks, the baby penis, inner asshole, these clockwork clowns, the dime bar, the number level, the bee gun on the bus, the blind man, the big chungus, the cripple, and the mother, honey bickering, from hell, Milan. Yeah, thanks for your support for another week. Our first feline producer, Nelly the Cat. I thought we were a dog podcast. Oh, we're all our furry friends are welcome. We had a distressing communique from regular producer Elia this week, um, mm-hmm. who's had a poorly cat. Oh, no. And unfortunately, on Monday, Nelly had to cross the rainbow, rainbow bridge. And uh, go beyond the veil. In the land of Oz. She had to go to sleep, yes. Which is a very sad time, because we love our fairy friends, don't they? They become part of the family. They can do sometimes. So I thought I would do my bit to try and immortalise Nelly and uh, make her a producer of episode 293. I think that's fair, isn't it? She could put it on her LinkedIn. Yes. Right. End of show. End of show, ISOs. Okay, here we go. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got seven this week. There's more every week. Oh, gosh, it's getting out of control, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay, what's this one called? Uh, want to want it. In order to change a don't want into a want, you'd need to want to want it. Don't get it, never will. Okay, what about want to not want it? To change a want into a don't want... You'd need to want to not want it. No. Next. That's a video. That's from a video Lee sent from the Big Ooh. Conspire about a guy talking about free will. But right. un- unfortunately, this is, is only a young guy, but he's, he's obviously listened to too much Sam Harris. Right. And that, that will turn you into a, a gibbering idiot. In order to change a don't want into a want, you'd need to want to want it. So we'll move on from him. What about, oh, oh, what about faith in humanity? This is quite nice. I have total faith in humanity. Mm. That's quite nice. That'd be a nice way to end, wouldn't it? It would be. I mean, that's uplifting. I have total faith in humanity. That was Dom. That was Dom from Sheet Farm. Yeah, I guess. Uh, From Saturday's episode to uh, 17136. What about, oh, this is quite good. Uh, Bloody nice. I tell you what, though, folks, that's bloody nice. 
I quite, like, I quite like that one. I tell you what, though, folks, that's bloody nice. The audio quality is not as good as... Uh, I have total faith in humanity. Because that was like a mobile mm. recording. I tell you what, though, folks, that's bloody nice. All right, uh, what about... Ooh, sheep and wolves. What about this one? As, as I often say, right, if you, if you have a people who are sheep, a government behaves like wolves. That's better. You need to clip off the first bit, though. Of uh, sheep and wolves? Yeah. Um, okay, let me just... Uh... As, as I often say, right, if you, if you have a people who are sheep, yeah. a government behaves like wolves. Okay, so I'll just, I'll just get rid of that jibber-jabber from the beginning. Well, I would if... Uh... Come on, man. Embarrassing. What I need is a stylus. <laughs> I've got sausage. I'm like, Charles, I've got sausage fingers. It's like a four-inch fucking touchscreen I'm trying to operate here. What about this? If you have a people who are sheep... A government behaves like wolves. I think you need to keep in the little. <laughs> oh, I was just in the middle of taking that out. Oh, no. If you have a people who are sheep, a government behaves like wolves. Okay, so that's a contender. That one and Dom. Yeah. I have total faith in humanity. All right. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, bloody nice sheep and wolves. Oh, carnival. A carnival for New World Order lunatics. That's Charlie. Charlie that might be the new number one now. Oh, <laughs> you like that one? Is it suitable for end of show, though? Yeah. A carnival for New World Order lunatics. It sounds like we were talking about ourselves. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, what else have we got? Last one. Human rights. <laughs> oh, this, this might be a winner. You have to value human rights, okay? You have to value human rights, okay? You don't like that? I mean, it's a bad, it's a bad attempt. It's like one of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're throwing shade on Charlie Robinson, are you? Yeah. Okay. Right. Your funeral. Uh, yeah, so I think that this, well, I don't even remember. A what. carnival for New World Order lunatics. That one, yeah. I have total faith in humanity. Well, I like Dom's faith in humanity, so it's in the it's up to the chat. First message that comes up: faith in humanity or carnival of idiots. Um, that will be the end of the show with no third yeah. leg. No, to, to split the difference. Yeah, he's in he's in Bournemouth or Bristol. Is he? Yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth or Bristol. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. <coughs> That's uh, well, we haven't decided on the show. Is anyone going to come up in the chat and say which one you want? Do you want? There's a lag, isn't there? Oh, of course there is. Yeah. Faith seconds. in humanity or carnival? Carnival of Weth lunatics. Yeah, Weth shells. No, Charlie, I, Charlie, I think he was talking about like the Bilderberg group or something. Dom's. Dom's. Right. Both. That's it. Oh, oh mm. uh, at the same time as well. Yeah. Look. Oh my gosh! <laughs> look at the timestamp. Twenty, ten, uh. twenty-one, and five seconds. Okay, a nice clip. Right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go carnival then, Dom. Right. Okay. We'll we'll do a double dip. End of show. Right. Gross. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned uh, when we were talking to Dom that I had a a dusty old. um... Just dumb, 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 dumb. Yeah. Yeah. 
exactly. A dusty old jingle that I had to break out of the box this week. Yeah. Uh, strap yourselves in, people. You haven't heard this for a while, but uh, I hope you don't get PCSD. <laughs> People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. The magic vaccine that got chills. They're multiplying. Yeah, in in a bad way. If you've got chills, you've probably got the vids. I know. You you better take a test to be safe. People have been (laughs) coughing again, haven't they? (laughs) Oh, God. I don't know. Fucking nonsense. My uh, wife said that someone has got it. I was just like, well, how do they know? How can you pay for tests or something? Uh, Maybe they have a stockpile while they're free. That's what I said. I bet Uh, my my dad had, because they were free, he'd he'd have picked them up from the chemist. He's probably got a cupboard full of them. Yeah, I mean, they were shy anyway. I bloody paid for it, I'll have them. (laughs) Fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. Carry on. Shall I play it from the beginning? Because um, kind of rudely. Okay. I'll be quiet. Uh, Sorry. Ah! That is just ludicrous. COVID 19 news. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating mode like. It's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Anal swab tests in the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. And of course, we're getting bored and we want to have fun. But I can't say if you're properly in a face mask. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Dr. Shillery at the end. And uh, to, yeah. to die with COVID. What a fucking carnival of cunts. Sorry, uh, what did Charlie say? Things have gone back to normal, though, haven't they? Yeah, well, this is the point. This is the point, because I've, we've, well... Have they? People who've been looking at the mainstream have seen things ramping up this week over the last couple of weeks. Really? But before we get to that, we've got to talk about Jonathan. Who's Jonathan? I've got a problem with Jonathan. Okay. Jonathan Van Tam. Oh, right, okay. JVT. JVT. JVT is the politics. And his football analogies. Fucking hell. Yeah, you've got to dumb it down for the plebs, you see. They can't understand these things. Anyway, I've got a... Is it a video or is it an audio? Here we go, I've got a clip. Um, There was only one mainstream outlet who who covered this on TV. Uh, GB News. Make of that what you will. Jonathan Van Tam, remember him? He was Chris Whitty's fluffer during the COVID pandemic. (laughs) I like that. That's quite nice. Fluffer. Mm -hmm. He was the former Deputy Chief Medical Officer and was obviously very pro-vaccine, as you would expect. He was also very quick to shut down any questions about vaccine safety or side effects. Just take a little look at this. Um, Vaccine misinformation has been out there ever since the first vaccines were made. And it is exactly that, misinformation, and I don't propose we give it any further airtime. Yeah, OK, all right. He was also pretty big on pushing how effective the vaccines were when it came to stopping the transmission, the spread of COVID-19. 
actually what the vaccines have done is they've prevented now, in total, since we got them, 22 million cases of COVID infection and um, 60,000 deaths. So, you know, that's truly massive. Do you know who he works for now? Any guesses? Vaccine manufacturer Moderna. He is now, reportedly, a senior medical consultant there. Van Tam was a member of the Vaccine Task Force, which the government said made decisions on, quote, all vaccine supply contracts and major investments in manufacturing clinical opportunities. The government bought at least 17 million doses initially, and it was offered the jab to under-30s. Now, it's important to say that Jonathan Van Tam hasn't broken any rules here, not... They're very keen to uh, underscore how he's not done anything wrong. No, it's just uh, immoral, isn't it? It's just a just general base level of corruption. Yeah. At all. There is no indication that he was compromised in any way, shape or form, or that anything untoward has gone on. But I do just think it looks awful, doesn't it? Now, there's absolutely no indication whatsoever that you know, anything untoward has happened. But it would be incredibly easy for anybody to claim that someone in his position helped to push a product and then went on and coined it in by working for that company. JVT should be banned from working with vaccine companies, in my view. It completely undermines public trust. If there is a pandemic again or the need for a, a mass vaccination... Don't... Yeah, I mean, it's a question of when, not if, that this will be rerun. Uh, probably sooner rather than later, I would suggest. The public need... Monkeypox didn't take off, did it? They tried that for a bit, just didn't grab, did it? No. To, uh, yeah. ...to know and have confidence in the fact that the person telling them to take that vaccine isn't going to end up working for the company who made the vaccine in a couple of years' time. I recommend the book, The Real Anthony Fauci, uh, to see how it works in America. Mm. And we're, we're, we just seem to be a bit behind the times. Mm. We're following them in, in that regard. The, uh, the cosy relationship between the state regulators and the companies who fund the regulators, by the way. Um, I think the MHRA gets more funding from Big Pharma than uh, the FDA as a percentage-wise. Australia, I think it's 86% of the regulatory body is funded by industry. Wow. Whereas in the MHRA, maybe it's 82%, 80%, something like that. And then uh, once you you come out, you get a nice job, a nice uh, advice, uh, sorry, consulting job. Mm. You know what they're all about. Anyway, I've, uh, I've got a rough timeline. I've, I've knocked together a quick timeline of events just to clear things up for people because people have short memories anyway this is uh january the 13th 2022 he steps down as a deputy chief medical officer jonathan van tam quits pm this is bojo bojo mm. the clown PM suffers another blow as Deputy Chief Medical Officer leaves day after number 10 party fiasco. Obviously, there's the complete denial that the party gate thing had anything to do with informing his decision. He's not a rat link, uh, leaving the sinking ship whatsoever. No. Um, he was on secondment from Nottingham University when the pandemic hit. 
Right, okay. As deputy CMO. Right. Interestingly. So when he stepped down there, January the 13th, 2022, he's, uh, he announced he was returning to his University of Nottingham job. Return uh, of the Mac. The Mac Daddy. The, yeah. pe- the Baron Greenback. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I returned to University of Nottingham following leaving the Department of Health at the end of March 2022. So the story came out in January. January it was announced, but he would be leaving at the end of March. 90, it, yep, you do United Days notice. Three months senior position. It's less than three months. Oh, right. Okay. Unless there was a week lag between him handing his notice in and the announcement being made. Um, the other thing is end of March, what happens at the end of March every year? It's not easy to tell The tax year. It's a new tax year in April. The spring equinox. April the 5th. Yeah. Would that have any bearing? Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, so when it was announced that he was uh, leaving government and going back to Uni of Nottingham, University of Nottingham Vice-Chancellor Professor Shira West said, I quote, his academic and leadership expertise is second to none and the integrity that he has demonstrated in his government role is fully aligned to our values. I know that he will take our university's reputation for excellence in medicine and health sciences to new heights. So University of Nottingham very excited about getting him back. Mm. That's uh, announced January, coming into effect April 2022. Uh, fast forward April, May, April, May, three months to June 2022. We have this story. Moderna to build UK's first mRNA vaccine research and manufacturing centre. US biotech firm agrees £1 billion deal with government for centre to combat COVID and other illnesses. So yeah, a couple of months after, the Boston-based biotech Moderna is to build the UK's first research and manufacturing centre dedicated to the development of exclusively mRNA vaccines against new COVID variants and other respiratory illnesses. Wow. Flu, RSV. Uh, don't know about you lot, but I'd never heard of RSV before the pandemic. But now we're going to be having jabs for it, it seems. Mm. In an effort to improve readiness for future pandemics. <laughs> Under the £1 billion deal with the UK government, construction of the new centre, Moderna's first fat facility in Britain, could begin later this year. And is, and is expected to start producing the first shots in 2025. Here's the kicker. The government has committed to buying Moderna's vaccines for the next decade. Even if they're duds? Even if they're dangerous? I was that, guess so. Was that part of the deal when everyone was scrambling for them at the beginning? This is, this is uh, 22. Right. This is two years in, two and a half years nearly in. Mm. We've done a deal. No, it's uh, greasing the wheels, mm. I would say. So that was uh, 22nd of June, 2022. Okay, let's fast forward to this year, 1st of March, 2023. Choo. University <laughs> of Nottingham, Van Tan steps down oh. after 10 months, was it, in post? Yeah. wonder what could have turned his head. How many millions? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the university, the University of Nottingham, has said um, 
he he will uh, instead take on a new part-time role as senior strategy advisor in medicine. So he's going part-time. Um, Professor Van Tam said the uh, the last year had been a whirlwind of activity, and this is his quote of him leaving his post at University of Nottingham. The last 10 months have been a true whirlwind of activity, and the mission given to me was to be the catalyst for many of these changes. I am genuinely confident that a new leadership team is now assembling with the right sense of values and purpose. This is politician management fucking bollocks speak, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Political speak. Uh, Real purpose, real focus, and a true grasp of the mission. Here we go. You ready? I'm ready. The truth of the matter is, I'm not ready to leave, but I'll be eligible for my NHS pension in less than 12 months. And this mission is of ours is a marathon, not a sprint. That'll need fresh legs for some time to come. Yeah. Is 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 sixty four, maybe? Right. Uh, pensions coming in. He's ready to retire basically. He doesn't have the Is it one know. last payday going to the MLS? <laughs> like Pele. Right, <laughs> what, what was it? Astro Stars or something they were called. Astros. Meant to go and play for San Diego Astros or something. I've got the shirt in my uh, old shirt in my bedroom. It wasn't Houston Astros. It was someone else. Is it? Pele played for. Right. It's gone. Um, again, Vice Chancellor Professor Shira West is quoted um, and said uh, a search for his replacement was underway. Quote, Jonathan's connections and influencing government the NHS and the medicine and healthcare industries, mm. so that's Big Pharma, will continue to prove invaluable to the university's significant and growing interests in these areas, and I look forward to continuing to work with him closely. So, he's got one foot... He's, he's got one foot in the public sector, in the university, and he's got an eye on retirement. And then we come to... Uh, the 2nd of May, 2023. So what's the time difference there? 1st of March. So two months. Two months later, Van Tam takes the Moderna job as senior medical consultant. 2nd of May, the deal was done. It's been announced two days ago in August. Right. But yeah, so he was tapped up by Moderna. That's how it happens though, isn't it? These kind of higher level jobs. Uh, you don't have an interview, you have a chat. Yeah. Maybe an opportunity is coming in, it's opened up for Do you. Do you remember us playing those clips of those MPs? Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh, where is it? Um, yeah, that sounds, uh, <laughs> that sounds, um... Uh. <laughs> yeah, 20 grand. 20, what was it, 60 grand for two meetings a, a year. <laughs> As a consultant. Yeah, yeah fine. same thing. Uh, the concern is, right, he's got a foot in both camps now. So he's still working for the university, mm. bringing all his experience of the government and all the rest of that. And he's got a foot in Moderna, in the private sector. And then you have this unholy relationship between the UK government and Moderna, yeah. where they're building this facility and com- committed to buying their products for the next decade. It's... Um, I, I wouldn't mind if it weren't my money, but, yeah. it, but it's my money and your money and everyone else's mm. money. It fucking stinks. Mm. And uh, 
the GB News lot completely whitewashed it. Oh, this is just how it works. It's the same in banking. When Savage Javid left, he got a job at Goldman Sachs. So, yeah, get rid of... Fucking quit it. Get rid of all these fuckers. They're useless. Yeah. They make things worse. Mm. But, you know, what do I know? Nothing. Exactly. Anyway... Uh, Have you got anything uplifting for us? Oh, yeah. yeah. What about Alex Jones? We haven't played any Alex Jones for a while. I saw a clip of his trial or something. Oh, that's a while back. Was it? He's looking... He, to be fair, AJ, mm-hmm. as I affectionately refer to him, Alex Jones, he's looking pretty well for a guy who's been sued for a trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town, and they wanted to meet with me that I know well, and they are a high-level manager in the TSA. Do we know what the TSA is? Travel something, security. It's the airport. Office, what they called it here. Border. Border control. Border control. Customs. I think they, they, uh, I think it's exclusively airports that the TSA work at. So right. People who frisk you when you go into America. People who work yeah. at the airports. Yeah. And I went and met with them and had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in the managers, and told that by the middle of September that the new policy is being written, that this is done. They were told this is happening. This is not hypothetical. You will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada and because of the WHO, they may, you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. I like the way they cut in the visual. Hmm. There's a little boy there with a, a, a face mask on and he's got his teddy with a mask on. Just visual reminders of... Uh, the collective insanity that happened three years ago. Mm-hmm. Dramatic pause. Is he AJ? He's a showman. He is, isn't he? And then they were told, "We expect by December a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020-2021." So, TSA with the uh, knowledge. Well, he goes on. It's a four-minute video. He then goes on to quote one of his contacts at the border agency, and he confirmed what the TSA said and said they had a similar meeting. We shall see. I've set an alarm for late September. Right, okay. See uh, what's happening. Yeah. If they try and, try and pull this off again. I don't know. It's a different world in America than it is to here. Yeah, it does we, seem to be different, doesn't it? Well, we were the first out yeah. of the Eastern, sorry, Western <laughs> Europe and Anglosphere. Yeah. You know, America, they still have stuff going on. They're still, mm. still jibber-jamming five-year-olds, six-month-old babies in America. Because, it's, it, again, 
you know? Only, oh. only because it's more corrupt than it is over here. Mm. You know, give it 10 years and we'll be the same because the, the regulatory capture is fucking obscene. But um, I don't know. We shall see, won't we? We'll see if the prophet AJ is correct this time. We will, won't we? It's been. I've been seeing it in the news. They've been trying to ramp it up. There's been all sorts of scientists in the writing in the Guardian, the Independent, other sources, saying that we need to uh, put dig out our muzzles and put our muzzles on again, especially on public transport. Yeah, we, we shall see. Anyway, let's move on from uh, one prophet to another. <laughs> you might have heard of this guy, this Ike figure. Human freedom across the millennium years. This is uh, David Icke speaking in 1998, so that's 25 years ago. Oof. Crunch time in this whole agenda, crunch time for the human race. This is the time when this network of interbreeding bloodlines wants to bring in its global fascist structure of a world government to which nation states would be administrative units, um, of a world central bank and a world currency, a, a currency that wouldn't be cash, it would be merely electronic. For which so that would be a central bank digital currency. Mm. There are fundamental implications for human freedom. And also the world army, which is designed to be NATO, um, expanding and expanding as it is now, of course, to become the fully-fledged world army, world police force. Um, Sweden, have Sweden and Finland been accepted this year? Into NATO? Um, well, I think they applied, didn't they, because of what's going on in Ukraine. Yeah, I think Sweden got the okay, haven't they? And the, obviously there's talk of Ukraine. Ukraine wants to join NATO. Yeah. It's expanded a lot since 1998. Mm. And underpinning that little lot is designed to be a microchip population in which we are microchipped with our financial details, our medical details, etc., etc. Medical details. So we've heard about the, uh, the WHO has uh, taken over the EU's COVID pass. And they want to roll that out globally. They've actually just taken their software, the EU <laughs> software that they developed. Got a clip of Tedros th- thanking Ursula von der Leyen for the fantastic work that they did. Wow. Uh, generating the, the EU's COVID pass, which was used to control people's movements. And, you know, this is a good thing. We're going we're gonna, to uh, roll it out worldwide. Maybe we'll add some things as well. Different things we can add. Information tick boxes, check boxes. Um, and that would allow not only electronic tagging, people knowing where we are all the time, it would allow the external manipulation through this electronic means of our mental and emotional processes. This will happen unless the human race wakes up and wakes up fast. And to do that, we need to understand what's really going on. And to let people know that, We've got to stop beating about the bush, stop pulling punches, stop pussyfooting around, keeping information from people, oh my goodness, how will they react, and just say, this is going on, take it or leave it, make of it what you will, but this is what's going on. It's interesting how you know, most of the points he got, centralised currency, digital IDs, hmm. I think it's, it sounds pretty accurate from 25 years ago. He got it pretty much spot on, hasn't he? I, you know, I've. I wonder what he's writing about today. That'll be he foresees in 2050. I think that might depend on what happens over the next few years, maybe. Yeah, you know. But um, 
I've not lost my faith in humanity. No. And neither have Dom and Chris from Sheep Farm. I have total faith in humanity. The other day I was on the bus and an elderly lady gave up a seat for a bearded pregnant man. (laughs) 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 That is a joke, isn't it? (laughs) You don't know these days? You don't know? No. Have you heard about um, guys going out on dates and taking Viagra with them? No. No, guys who who, who use these apps, Tinder, is it? Right. You're on Tinder and you meet a date. Yeah. And uh, you meet the girl and you'll, you'll spike her drink with Viagra. Oh. See if she gets a hard on. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, do you? No, not anymore. No, so, so, sometimes it's terrifying. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not in the in that game, in the dating game. Well, it's all changed, hasn't it? Well, yeah, that's why we have our millennial correspondent on, isn't it? When he comes on and tells us about these things. Dan, the man, the millennial man. This will all be done through uh, media, messaging and media. Right, rather than just sort of... Well, how did we do Groping it? people. <laughs> in, groping on the dance floor. Groping people or grinding on people on a sweaty dance floor. Or groping people at a house party. I would say uh, that 20 years ago, it was mainly done with non-verbal cues. Yes. So, like, there's a famous catch someone's eye. That's a famous trope, isn't it? You know, you'd be in a club or a pub and you would catch someone's eye. Yeah. And there would be some sort of uh, non-verbal connection there. Free song. <laughs> well, you'd think, oh, did she just look at me like uh, I might not be a complete slob? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm in there. Is that the basis from which you worked from? Can I buy you a drink? <laughs> I promise I won't spike it. Thankfully, Viagra wasn't probably on the market 20 years ago, was it? Or was it? Oh, I bet it was. Just a bit I, more expensive. I would say late 90s, maybe. Viagra. When it came out. I don't know. Um, interestingly, wasn't it um, Was it a blood pressure medication? Well, it was research, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like blood pressure or a heart medication. Yeah. And like, uh, one of the side effects. One of the side effects was, yeah, it gave you a stonking erection. We found a, 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 a miracle pill. <laughs> This is what it is. Wonder what it does for your heart then. Nothing good. (laughs) 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 I bet all all the the people who were taking it as part of the trial would say, like, you know, oh yeah, it's wonderful. This thing, wonderful, wonderful. More, 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 more. I've never taken it. Have you ever taken anything like that? Yeah. Have you you talked about it on the podcast? Have you had a Viagra? Like a real Viagra or from one of those condom machines at the... No, no, like real prescribed. You got it prescribed? Well, you do it online. Did you go through a dark patch or something? No, 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 no. It was an anniversary. (laughs) I've told this story on the podcast like 200 episodes ago. Was it the one where you you ran dry? What do you mean? What's that mean? I can't remember. I remember a story where... Something happened and he ran out of stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. No, we were going away for a dirty weekend. Right. So I thought I'd try it, see what happened. And what happened? What does what it says on this Ron seal, man? That's what it says <laughs> on the tin. <laughs> so, how long did it last for? Your oh, well, there's, there's different types, right? I had to do research because I didn't want to like, give myself a heart attack or something. Because I don't. Didn't want to give yourself a heart on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a virile man. I didn't want to overdo it. 
But there's different types, so there's different pills. So some, I think one was like a four. No. Well, yeah, that's it. One was a four-hour pill. Four hours. That's the that's the lightweight. <laughs> that's for the lightweights. There's a four-hour pill. Right. So you take it immediately pre-coitus. Right. And it it works within ten minutes, and it's a four-hour joy, joy fest. So you had like an erection for four hours. No, because I didn't take it. Oh. There's another pill I lost all weekend. <laughs> no, like you didn't. It lost, it lost like 72 hours. No, you didn't take it. For, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this is what I said. So I did, remember. You have to, like, did you have to tuck it in behind you? No, no. We talked about this before. It's not like you get a, an erection and it lasts for 72 hours. Right. It's just that if you get aroused, you will get a stonk. Mildly aroused, you'll get a stonking erection. Right. So it's like, it's a weekend. But that happens to me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I don't know. I don't get erections like I did when I was 18. Do you not? No. Maybe it's because I'm a smoker. Maybe it's a a circulatory problem. Right. Issue. I don't know. But no, I don't. No, I'm I'm old. (laughs) I'm an old man. Really? No. Maybe I'm like booking the trend then. I don't know. I can only speak from my own personal experience, but I noticed a difference. Yeah, I noticed that there was um, a more uh, immediate effect from arousal, and a uh, I won't say painful, but like <laughs> <laughs> you were painfully erect. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I don't. You know, I remember like when I was a kid. I remember getting hard-ons in English class for some reason. Like you know, I remember we had Mister Wormsley. I used to get this hot. Is a faint whiff of body odor. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have English class with Mr. Wormsley. For some reason, at the end of every lesson, I'd get a boner. I'd have to sort of shuffle out of the class. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. It's something, something hormonal, isn't it? You know, going through puberty and all that shit. But they're like, they'll, they'll like tear a hole in your pants, those kind right. of erections. I don't get them kind of erections uh, these days. I'm not a hormonal teenager. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's the only difference I noticed. It works. It definitely works, whatever it does. And you got it from um, online, like an online prescription. Yeah, it's all online now. Yeah, and they don't care. Well, yeah. you get a, you get a sheet signed. You sign a waiver or whatever. It's a lot of bullshit, isn't it? They just yeah. want to sell the drugs. I fancy having some uh, Xanax. Oh, that why? Good. That's bad. No, it's not bad. If you, only if you misuse it. Well, yeah, that goes for everything. Exactly. So I don't think I'd misuse it, but it sounds nice. Sounds like you'd be nice. Or Vicodin. Or uh, can I get these things off the internet then? Oh, I won't, I would hope not. Right, okay. Vicodin's an opiate, isn't it? What's the other one? Diazepam. Or the benzos. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go down. Just go way. down the erection route. Sexual erection. It's just, just an experiment. I wanted to see what happened. Right. And it did. It happened. All weekend. It happened. Yeah. Right. You know. I'll and how did about, you... I'll tell you about the night of five times. <laughs> it's a joke. Gross. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a book, bookmark, bookmarking the show with grossness. That's what we're doing here, isn't it? Yeah. What a joke. Yeah. Um... Shall we, uh, shall we wrap this shit up? I think so. Do you want to see a Spanish dog going nuts? Go on. This is my favourite clip this week. 
kind of dog is? Is that a French bulldog? Fucking dogs in prams. Right, I'm sorry for anybody listening. If you have a dog in a pram, just fuck off, Billy. You haven't got the point, have you? Dogs are meant to be walked. Fuck me. Fucking dogs in prams. He's loving it. The fucking breeding of dogs has got so bad you got to get them in a pram. Oh, well, this is an issue I have with uh, like pedigrees and cruffs and stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's just fucked, isn't it? Yeah, I'm a, a mongrel. I'm a mongrel man. We know that from that last conversation. Honestly, the last. The hardy. Exactly, yeah. Because uh, the pedigrees are, are built, uh, bred for certain... Mm, characteristics uh, which lead to problems with uh, like hip dysplasia in mm. German Shepherds is a famous one mm-hmm. you have these sloping backs yeah. and basset hounds with eye problems because mm. everyone wants the wrinkly mm. basset hound you know the wrinklier the better sharp A's with skin mm. conditions mm. Uh, yeah I could talk about dog breeds for hours <laughs> could you uh, British, you, British Bulldog, the famous you, British Bulldog, always have heart problems when the pedigrees right. because of the way they're bred, and it's it's not fair. No. They're animals, and uh, you know I'd, we've never bought a dog once. I've not got anything against people who buy dogs because they want a certain breed, but I, I just feel you may be feeding into the market and the problem, which mm. causes all this shit to happen. It's like have a look at. Um, RSPCA or Dogs Trust or your local shelter. There's dogs and dogs and dogs and dogs looking for homes, you know. You don't need to buy one. Mm-hmm. But that's just my personal view. Do what you want. Do you? <laughs> What's the, what did Crowley say? I don't know. I don't really know anything about him. <laughs> Does he know what he looked like? <laughs> he's Maxim. Do what thy wilt. Right. Shall okay. be the whole of the law. Okay. I don't subscribe to that, by the way. Mm. He's an evil bastard. But anyway. Let's finish. Let's finish. Um, we've got a, a proper based Sigma Chad in this last clip. This is uh, the Aussie kid on uh, that's is it called Sunrise on Australian TV? One of the big networks. It's like GM News, GM TV. Right. Good morning, Britain. Good morning, Britain. Yeah, similar sort of thing. A vegan and a vegetarian are jumping off a cliff to see who hit the bottom first. Who wins? I don't know. Who wins? Society. <laughs> Based Sigma Chad. <laughs> I don't think they were expecting that. No, they weren't, were they? They snuck that one through. Yeah. Their editorial, didn't they? None of it happens by mistake, man. No. I'm sure they knew what, what uh, the young man was going to say. Right. But it went viral. It's good. Good advertising. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Free. Got Native take, ad. Got taken off Reddit. Helen posted the link on Reddit. Mm. I clicked on it and video had been deleted. I don't know whether it was deleted by the poster or Reddit, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Reddit's a bit funny for stuff disappearing and that. I don't use the app, so I, I don't have access to everything. Right. You have to download the app and sign up. I think you've got to have an account. Size. You've got yeah. to have an account, yeah. Yeah, how long is your dick? Um, what's your bank account number? Uh, what's your star sign? Right, now you can view this clip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't do that. No. Uh, fuck it. Well, 
shall we uh, fuck off into the night? Yes, please. Hope you're entertained. Are you not entertained? The ultimate puss party. You dirty bitches! Building back better. You're a big chungus. Well, I'm not sure what's going to happen next week. We we might have a barn raising. I might contact a recent guest. Maybe see if we can do a little Q&A. Because you're not here next week and Ben's not here. Oh. No, yeah. We'll sort some out. We'll do something, I presume. Um, so, yeah, probably see you next week. Yeah. Based Sigma Chad. You're growlers. Look at it, you're growlers. Close your legs. Stop being slapped. Who's got the biggest cock? And how many baggers I'm probably doing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for watching. Booty takes it out. I'm literally a communist. It is bonkers. I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Phil, that, uh, it's that Ninja Turtle, yo. I'm half Barney, half Ninja Turtle. I karate you, you karate me. Yeah. I was the foot him, uh, foot, foot, excuse me, foot. Oh my God, it's like his eyes. No. Maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. A carnival for New World Order lunatics. I have total faith in humanity.